everybody, and welcome back to the Come Play Podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk about the OBJ contract. We're going to talk about uh, MW2 coming to Xbox One, and we're going to have a little bit of a college football preview, uh, previewing uh, what teams we think will make the championship games from each conference. And with me today, I have, as always, Bobby, Brendy, and Zach. Say what's up, guys. What's up, guys? What's going on, fellas? Uh, and yeah, so uh, as always, we're going to start off with our quick picks, which is just our quick topics and stories. Hopefully uh, quick this time. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> a little bit quicker, but we're not promising anything. Uh, first uh, story we have is Manu Ginobili retiring from the NBA after, uh, I believe, let me see here, 16 seasons, which long career. Uh, always will remember him, obviously, as a spur. That's where he spent his whole career. But it's weird, man. Like... That big three is gone. Tim Duncan obviously has been retired for a while. Uh, you had now Ginobili and Tony Parker uh, left this offseason. So it's going to be a different look team, um, you know, for next year and years to come. And also they get Kawhi, obviously, which is going to start. They look Kawhi left, rather, which is also going to be weird. So is that, is that, is that, does they have anybody, like any, any kind of star they power? DeRozan, they got DeRozan from the Kawhi trade. He's going to be their guy. Okay. I don't really consider DeRozan much of a star, though. He, like, like a star, maybe, but not a superstar. That's yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. He's a, I don't think he's a superstar either. I, he's not, like, top 10 or anything, but he's a good player. Yeah, uh, but Manu Ginobili, man, like, he's been a professional for 23 seasons. Like, 16 NBA and then the rest EuroLeague. That's what I was going to say. Like, one thing with Ginobili is, like, not only has his NBA career been amazing, but, like, he's one of those guys that has uh, international uh, – like, he's done really well internationally as well. Um, he won an Olympic gold in 2004, for example. Uh, yep. So yeah. um, won a silver in the uh, World Cup in 2002. Yep, yep. So yeah, Ginobili, um, four-time NBA champion, uh, the big thing there, but he's a two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, sixth man of the year in 2008, and like I said before, Olympic gold medalist, so uh, quite the resume. He should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, would you guys agree? Or I know, Brenda, you're the NBA guy. Would you agree? <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, he's just done so much, uh, not a, like just for basketball in general, like not just for the NBA, but like internationally, like Argentina, um, if you don't remember specifically, was ranked number one above USA for a couple years. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do because of him and the success that he brought to Argentina. Yeah, um, he, like I was going to say, he's just one of those guys, like I said, who did it in uh, – you know, it wasn't just the NBA, and that's kind of rare, I would say, right. uh, especially as long as he did it. So, yeah, I believe he's the first ballot. No doubt. Yeah, the, the guy the guy has, uh, you know, absolutely no shot of missing the Hall of Fame ballot. And, like, not to mention, too, like, the role he had with the Spurs, like, in the last, um, and, you know, the last couple of years of his career, um, he was you know, not always starting, you know, six man, like, and the, like the numbers he still put up are relatively like, you know, really good. Like again, with the minutes he was getting in the role he had. So right. Uh, yeah. Manager nobly one of the, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I, I was going to say one of the better players of our, uh, generation. I mean, he is a better player. I wouldn't put him up there as like the best or whatever, but yeah, definitely a, 
if it wasn't if it wasn't for their coach, if it wasn't for their coach, I would say that this season they have like a legitimate chance of not making the playoffs. I yeah, I would agree, but like, and even with the coach, I I still think it's a slight possibility. But you can't count. Yeah, I was gonna say you can't count out pop. Uh, right. But yeah. Uh, next thing we're gonna talk about. Finally, some NHL talk. Uh, I mean, it's not uh, that it's not that significant, but what? at least it's some NHL. <laughs> Uh, Martin Brodeur uh, stepped down from the St. Louis Blues, uh, where he was uh, assistant GM for three of the four years he was there. Uh, he stepped down, um, saying that he was going to pursue new opportunities, and then the next day took a job with the um, New Jersey Devil Devils as a as excuse me as an executive vice president of business development, whatever that means. Uh, so yeah, back with a team that we all know where he's from like i will i will never remember like the couple games he played for st louis like i'm uh, that's out of my mind like i don't even want to think about that like to me he's a devil for life uh i mean he played 21 years there um and then like had one season where he not it wasn't even one season it was like a couple games where he played for the blues and then took a role with the uh so he, if I remember, so was he? Wasn't he like a like filling goalie coach for a little he bit? Was, and yeah. then, and then, if I remember from reading, he was assistant to the general manager. Yeah. Uh, for the Blues, which that's just so weird, and then he ended up becoming uh, assistant general manager. So, um, and then so he's been there what three, four seasons out of this, I think. Yeah, four like seasons. And it's funny because yeah. when I was tripping over my words there, like saying what he was. Uh, you know, what he's going to be doing with the Devils. I'm just thinking in my head, like, I swear to God, they make up some of these things. Like, there is this a real job, or, like, is that mm-hmm. just something they made up? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Brodeur, like I said, uh, finally got some hockey news. It's not that significant, but hopefully we'll have some more soon. You said he just kind of, like, dipped out from St. Louis. Well, he said he was quitting hockey. I guess that's kind of what he made it sound like. No, nah, well, he said he said pursuing new opportunities, which a lot of people speculated that he would take the job, uh, like a job with the Devils. But um, gotcha. but yeah, like it's just funny the way he or like said it. Like, yeah, I want to pursue new opportunities, and literally, it was like yeah. it. I feel like it was less than twenty four hours. <laughs> he was like he had a, something with the Devils. So I mean, shit, I, if you're gonna if you're gonna move out of St. Louis, you. Move- might as well move somewhere better than fucking New Jersey. And man, I couldn't, I could, I, I, I swear to listeners that there was an article before he took the job that said that he wasn't interested in uh, uh, going back into management like hockey or whatever, because that was, uh, he knew obviously that the speculation was he was going to go back to the Devils for, for some front office uh, role. But I could have swore that I read before the the Devils thing, before he actually accepted the job, that he was just interested in going home and uh, being with his kids or whatever. But I could not find the damn article anywhere. I, whatever. They probably posted it and took it down because they're like, oh, shit, we were wrong. I I know. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) But here's the thing. I would have thought that it would have been covered by enough outlets that I could have found at least one. But I could not find it. It was all, oh, he accepted the job. Yeah, I know he accepted the job. But where is it where he said he didn't want the job? Can we, can we, I, I, I swear I'm not crazy. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. No, you're good. But yeah, like I said, you know how the media me. is, man. They're out there like, 
Oh, you know, guys, we got to take it down. We can't let the public know we lie sometimes. Oh, uh, God forbid, MSM. God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but like I said, Bredor will always be a devil to man, especially growing up in the... Not that I was a Devils fan, but being from Jersey, uh, yeah, I always remember him as a devil. Yeah. All right, next next topic we have Every time is... someone says devil, I just think of that fucking song from NHL. Are <laughs> <laughs> you ready for the devil, man? <laughs> our, our theme song. I, I swear to God, it's the only one that plays. You log on, you're like, are you ready for the devil? I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, another retirement from a sport uh, and big one for the U.S., um, well, in some people's opinions, at least. Uh, Clint Dempsey uh, retired from international and club football – or soccer, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I say football and then catch myself. Soccer I know for the when, American listeners. I, I know because I, I will say a quick story real quick. I have a friend that I said football in front of, and he, like, literally, like, gave me the death stare. I'm like, it's soccer. I'm like, I'm sorry. All right? Uh, I'm sorry. But anyway, Dempsey played uh, 15 years, uh, seven of them being in the Premier League in um, England, which obviously a pretty big league. He played for Tottenham and Fulham there. Um, and yeah, obviously a lot of the you know casual soccer fans will remember him uh, for his what he's done with the U.S. national team. Um, one of I would say one of the better players for a while. Now you know they have the likes of Christian Pulisic. Pulisic, who hopefully will take over. Golden boy. Uh, the golden boy, yeah, I'm so hyped at him, but that's for another time. But yeah, hopefully he'll take over uh, the production of Dempsey. But um, yeah, uh, Dempsey scored 57 goals with the U.S. men's national team, which is actually tied with Landon Donovan um, for the most goals all time. So, uh, Brendy, I will refer back to you as the, the other guy who is a big soccer fan here. Um, I know when, at least when we were talking before, you had a different uh, opinion than me on, you know, what Dempsey has done for the U.S. So uh, I'd like to hear your opinion. So so here's my opinion. Uh, In terms of, uh, in terms of, I'm just going to be strictly talking about for the national team. Um, I'm not doubting Clint Dempsey's legacy. I think he's one of the better players that the U.S. has had um, ever, honestly. But there was a certain aspect of him that was lacking um, when, uh, like, when Landon Donovan was here, and when you know, in 2014, when he basically had the team by himself, mm-hmm. he never really had that kind of leadership mentality that was needed. Um, he was never really able to say, "Okay, you know, if if I, if I'm on the team, you know, we're guaranteed to, or not guaranteed, but like." Just give me the ball, you know. I'll, you know, I'll do whatever I can with it, and I'll make sure that uh, I can guide the team to victory. He never really had that kind of mentality. Um, he was, he was never much of a vocal player on the field. That was main, quite honestly, that was mainly Tim Howard and Brad Guzan. Um, that was probably the most vocal uh, people on the team. Yeah. Um, sure. yeah but sure. Clint Dempsey. Um, he never had the it factor to me. Um, with that said, I'm, I'm not doubting like the, his greatness, you know, his, uh, what he's done for the USMNT, um, you know, great overall player, I feel like, but without that leadership mentality, I'm not entirely sure his legacy is going to be like as great as people are making it out to be. 
just to play devil's advocate, uh, I will say one thing, like, you know, he wasn't playing with the greatest supporting cast of all time. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, uh, it, it is with, like, he's made 141 appearances for the national team, which it's just insane. You know, like, I know there's other people from other countries that make so much more, but that just seems like so much to me. I don't know. That took me by surprise. But anyway, uh, yeah, Clint Dempsey retiring from international and club football. Uh, and yeah, that is uh, that for it for that. And then next thing we have was it's kind of an interesting one because it's kind of been like almost a joke. Uh, for a wa- long time, uh, it's the U- UCF men's football team. Um, as we know, or as most people know, last year they had a perfect season. And, right. Uh, only undefeated team. Only undefeated team, thirteen and zero record, and they wanted to be crowned national champions. Uh, well, not I shouldn't say national. They wanted to be recognized, essentially. Uh, so they finally have been, uh, by the NCAA, uh, they've been, it's been updated in the 2018 record book as that they are a champion. An uh, official NCAA record. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. So, you know, they threw parades and stuff. They, I'm pretty sure like they had like rings, uh, given out to the players and coaches. They've had banners there. And it was almost, like I said, it was kind of a joke because, like, they were doing this and obviously they weren't getting recognized, but finally it has come to that, which is, like I said, it's kind of a funny story. Um, it was kind of just a meme for a while. Like, people didn't really take them yeah. seriously. It's like, okay, yeah, you're national championships. Okay, but yeah, really Alabama is. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they, like I said, they posted a 13-0 and record and then they beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl to cap off the season, so... That's what no. I'm saying, man. People said they had an easy record, but they did beat Auburn at the end of the season, so they proved they they were worth something. They can hang with the tough guys. Yeah, and I just, like, the, it's just funny to me, like, how they were having, like, this parade and all, and, like, obviously, like, I'm I'm not sure what the NCAA had to say about that at the time, but... Uh, I think they mainly kept it quiet. There was really only... There was really only one national... Um, national media outlet that recognized them as national championships may or may not have heard of it, but it was called the Kali matrix. Mm -hmm. They were the only ones that recognized uh, UCF uh, as national championships. Um, But everyone else was like, okay, no, it's really Alabama. It's got to have something to do with uh, like media coverage and money and and that stuff, because no one wants to see central Florida in the finals. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, like again, they posted a thirteen and zero record, which right. isn't you know it's it doesn't matter what the the conference you're in, rather like it's impressive uh, in any way. And honestly, I wouldn't mind if UCF was in the in the college football playoff. Like that would I, I would love to see that. That would be cool. Yeah, I mean, last year they had uh, well, they lost obviously to the draft. Um, I'm, why I can't think of his first name? Shaquille Barrett, or is that his brother? Jesus, yeah, Shaquille Barrett. Right? I'm I'm sorry. Who are you for? Like which team? The UCF Shaquille Barrett, the uh, middle linebacker. Or I'm trying to think if that's his brother's first name. <laughs> anyway, uh, they you know obviously lost some a couple pieces this year, but uh, oh fuck my pizza. Uh, so yeah, as we're recording this, uh, they actually played their first game yesterday and got the win over UConn to kick off the uh, season. So yeah, looking good for UCF. And like we said, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the players that were. Um, 
that UCF lost to the draft, the first one being Mike Hughes, cornerback, uh, Traquan Smith, Jordan Akins, and then uh, Shaquem Griffin, like you said. Sha- I'm sorry. I, 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 Shaquille Barrett is a uh, <laughs> is a player for the Broncos. I, that's my fault. Yeah, Shaquem Griffin. Um, <laughs> that is my stupidity. I'm sorry about that. But anyway, uh, yeah, the so UCF <laughs> national champion. Which Good is- for them. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we will move on to some NFL talk here. Uh, a couple of big contracts got signed for uh, some superstar players. The first one being Adele Beckham Jr. Uh, he signed a new contract with the Broncos. Uh, Jesus Christ. With the Giants. I don't know what this thing is with the Broncos. I wish the Broncos signed him. Uh, with the Giants for five years and $95 million. 65 of that being guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, like you can't deny it. This guy's a superstar. Like honestly, like I've I, I know a lot of people talk trash about him because he's you know, he's one of the more outspoken players and he has a lot of antics on the field, but this guy is you know, consistently except for last year obviously because he was injured, but he's consistently in the top um, you know, five, ten receivers, uh, since he's been in the league. Uh and, you know, it's been a there's been a lot of talk uh, with the Giants and Odell with the contract situation. They finally get it done. Uh, Dude, holdouts in the NFL this season have been really high. I feel well. You know what? Like I was talking about earlier, like or in the last podcast rather about Le'Veon Bell and his contract situation. Um, you got Cleo Mack in Oakland. Like you know, all these superstar players like, Aaron they Donald. want their money. Aaron Donald, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of guy like a lot of holdouts. Uh, Is Aaron Donald signed yet? He just yes. signed now, actually. Yep. Um, okay. I don't have the details, but he just signed today for a ridiculous contract. Um, gotcha. If somebody can actually get those details real quick, while I uh, I've got gotcha. you. Keep talking about Odell, but yeah, um, Odell has four thousand four hundred and twenty-four <laughs> career receiving yards and thirty-eight touchdowns in just forty-seven career <laughs> games. Uh, yeah, I think he's worth that money. All now, right, here it is. Go ahead, um, yeah. It's so the Rams and Aaron Donald have finalized a record six-year, one hundred and thirty-five million, including eighty-seven million guaranteed, richest defensive deal in NFL history. Damn, that's tied, a he's now tied <laughs> to the Rams for the next seven years. I mean, deservedly so because he's probably one of the best he tackles in the league, but. That's that's a lot of money. I mean, obviously, teams can dish it out, but yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, back to Adele. Now, there's one thing I want to actually get your opinion on, because Bobby, I know you have a strong, uh, or at least a little bit of opinion on Adele. So I guess my question to you guys is, do you think he's worth the $95 million? Um, and the way I'm kind of going with this uh, is, you know, on the field, obviously, but off the field as well. Do you think uh, he's worth the money? Um, personally, this is going to sound very bad coming from a Falcons fan thinking that Julio Jones is one of the best. I think he absolutely deserves that money <laughs> because um, the, he's earned it. He's definitely like one of the top tier wide receivers in the NFL. and. I, I kind of wish that it had went a different way other than a holdout, but he absolutely deserved every penny that's in that contract. And I hate to say that as like a big 
you know, believer that Julio Jones is like, you know, top three, top two, you know, wide receiver. So, yeah, so that's my take on that. I don't know. I mean, at least for me, I think you can't deny the production. Um, the guy puts up numbers, and obviously last year he was hurt. He only played four games, but uh, yeah, the the guy's a beast. Now, Bobby, I want your opinion because <laughs> I don't know if it's changed, but at least when we were talking before, you had a differing view on this. So, it's not that I do- it- my thought process was simply this, is that so I, I, I've said for a while that I thought OBJ was kind of overrated, but I in, in more discussion that I had with Tyler here before the show, um, I know statistically I'm wrong. I'm absolutely wrong. The guy puts up tremendous seasons in and out. Um, but the problem that you know, I've had is that you really don't, hear a lot like he he he, you know he made a name for himself from the one big catch everybody knows that catch and and it was one of the most magnificent catches in the history of football um but i guess it's not really his fault right i mean he the giants have been in a in a, in a bad way for a while uh eli's kind of running his course a little bit and odell's kind of the guy keeping them keeping them off keeping the team afloat so I guess my only thought process would be is that maybe they needed to think about other ways to improve the team besides Odell. And I, I get he, he, he needed to be a staple. They need him for whoever is going to be up after Eli is gone and after they really truly rebuilding the team from the ground up. I understand he's a big part of it and he's going to be a productive part of it. So I, I guess it's like, all right, cool. He got paid off the field. I hear he's, he's, uh, He's good off the field. He's had some controversies on the field with some fight things, but nothing that any other player would be would be free from. So I'm not worried about that. I is he worth the money? Okay, sure. I'll go out and say absolutely he's worth the money. But I guess I don't know how well that's gonna be. Like I don't think you're gonna see any worth out of it until the rest of the team kind of follows with him. Right, so okay, you have him; he's good. But until the rest of the team kind of starts getting going through the rebuild process, I don't think you could really see into his full potential. And let's just say that the you know the rebuild happens, right? They got a brand new, I don't know, some rookie quarterback, right? Who's incredible, right? Um, some star, and then you start building your offensive line, and you now you have a solid defense, or I'm sorry, offense, right? Um, will Odell be good in those circumstances now? And is, let's say they you know, sign more receivers or whatever. Like, will he still be worth that contract in a few years after a rebuild? Well, I, will, wait and see. I will say, like, and I said this before to you, uh, Bobby, like, the quarterback makes the receiver. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you got to have a guy throwing you the ball to make the catches. So, um, I mean, that being said, Odell has put up ridiculous numbers for – and, I, you know, Eli – I don't think he's the worst, like, ever. Like, but you obviously he's not where he was. So, um, you know, you're looking at his probably last few years. But, uh, yeah, um, I think he's fully worth the money. Now, I'm going to kind of come at you real quick at a different angle. Uh, like, my so obviously the production, I think, like, that alone is worth the $95 million. But mm. this guy consistently is one of the top, like, players in sales. Um, 
Yes. You know, jersey sales, merchandise sales, stuff like that. Uh, he makes a lot of money. And he's a mm. guy for the Giants that puts butts in seats uh, when they don't really have much. So, like, you know, mm. you, you keep a though, you keep, you know, fans come to the game. Um, I actually brought up an article. It's uh, so it's basically the NFL PA's top 50 player shows. And this was from March 1st to May 31st this year, which I believe is the most recent one. Um, and he was ranked ninth in the player sales. Uh, and you know, that's keep in mind coming off of a season where you had him obviously being injured for four, um, you know, the four games. So he missed the whole season. And then also kind of something you got to consider is, uh, Philadelphia's first Super Bowl had fans buying shit like crazy. Like, I think the list, like, Nick Foles was number one, of course. Sure. Uh, Car- <laughs> Carson Wentz was up there, I think. I would hope he would be. Who's it? Uh, Fletcher Cox, I think, was up there. Like, so, yeah, like, oh, you man. had a couple of Eagles guys. So, like, you know, it's, uh, he, like I said, he's, he's a big moneymaker and. I think it was you had to sign him if you're the Giants. Like financially, I think it's essential. Yeah, I don't. Um, you know, I never, I never said that the Giants shouldn't sign him, right? I, I, I guess maybe I, I've been wrong about OBJ. I'm just, I'm just curious. You know, I, yeah. it's, it's always a weird thing to me. I don't, I don't know why. I have no hate towards OBJ. And before anyone says because I've said that I'm a Pats fan, no, I'm not bitter. <laughs> about a Super Bowl or anything. I don't really you know, I don't like the team, but OBJ is a player. I, I know he's he's good. I just didn't think he was this um number one receiver. Like every time you go into the fantasy rankings, he's always up there, right? Uh I don't know. I I, I could be completely wrong. I, I've said that you know looking at the statistics of it all, I'm absolutely wrong. <laughs> you put you put him up against you know I I even looked at comparisons like okay let's look at Antonio Brown who you know is a top receiver in the league right now and the numbers are not far off from each other so it's not like he's not competitive he's this bottom line receiver he's up there he's up there with the big guys I guess I just always thought okay Eli, he's kind of the the big target on the Giants right I mean that's who Eli's looking for first and foremost every time the ball gets snapped. So I guess my question is, will this contract still be worth it when I guess a whole rebuild happens? But I get that's kind of a weak argument too, right? Because he's going to be there with that team and whoever's going to be, you know, grabbing the ball is going to keep throwing to him. I, I'm just, I, I, I've had weird opinions on him that I really can't justify. That's all. But I know he's a good person off the field. I know he's, he's been great on the field. He's been solid for the Giants all these years. Um, so I think the contract was definitely worth it. Uh, for both those on and off field things, so I'm not bitter about it. I just know I had a differing opinion on OBJ compared to everybody else. That's all. Uh, speaking of off field things for OBJ, uh, we're going to be plugging HBO again because uh, <laughs> recently there's a new show out um, called The Shop. It's the the premise of it is essentially uh, I, I at least. So I haven't watched it, I will say that, but the previews I've seen, the clips I've seen from it, I believe it's LeBron's show. Uh, and he basically brings on like celebrity athletes um, to talk about stuff. And it's like set up like uh, a barbershop would be. And they kind of just sit down and talk. So there was a clip that went around from OBJ from this last one. And I'll let Bobby play it, but just to give you like a background, he's basically talking about like, you know, 
what it's like to be a superstar in the NFL and what he's had to deal with. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I'll let Bobby roll that clip and uh, give it a listen. I didn't want to take a picture. Like, I'm like, I'm really in a rush. I got to go. I get on Twitter. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm a giant season ticket holder for 30 years. Like, first of all, you 20-something. And then, <laughs> and then and it's like, oh, he's an asshole. He didn't want to take a picture. It's like, to me, I be feeling like, I tell people this all the time, I really feel like a zoo animal. Like, that's where life's gone for me. You know, we used to take your kids to the zoo and we used to be like, you know, I want to I want to see the lions or let's go see the lions. And you go out there and the lions are laid out. You know what I mean? It's like, why aren't they doing lion stuff? You know what I mean? Like, I got people who call, oh, damn, dance. Like, like I'm a like I'm a, a show punk, a show monkey or something like I'm a puppet. You know what I mean? And it's like to me, that doesn't feel good. But it's like, damn, that's what life became. But can you ever really detach from that? I just, yeah. I, I, just, I, just, I just want to point out that my favorite thing about the actual video is to see the random cuts of Jon Stewart just sitting in on this. <laughs> I know, yeah. Like, that's my favorite thing about this whole this whole clip here. No, it, it, it's interesting the points he brings up, though, because, uh, you know, one of the things that Dell is known for, like we said before, like, he, he's, a, he's a big personality in the NFL, and he's, you know, known for his touchdown celebrations and his dancing and stuff like that. And it's kind of an interesting point to bring up for him, like, you know, he's out, he's probably, it's probably hard for him to live a, like a regular life. Like, obviously, he's going to get recognized everywhere he goes. And, you know, one thing I didn't say about, and before about OBJ, but, you know, it kind of goes with the whole player sales thing. It's like, in my opinion, um, and I'm strictly talking about, like, I'm not talking about performance on the field. I'm talking about, like, personality and stuff like that. Like, Odell's the face of the league in terms of that. Like, everybody wants to be like Odell. Like, you know, you have kids like wanting his hair. You have kids like, you know, doing the dances he's doing. Like, people, like kids, especially, like, attract to personalities like that because they're, you know, they actually talk to the media and they're, and they're out there like that. So it, it's interesting um, for him to come out and say that. And I just have to say, like, this show, like, like I said, I haven't watched it, but I'm going to give it a watch. Like, I feel like there could be a lot of juicy stories coming out of this because, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where they're shutting down and talking and I uh, feel like something could come out. But, yeah, just an interesting thing on Odell. Um, yeah, like, like I said, just how, again, it, I, I'm sure, like, living his life, like, you know, he's got all this money and stuff like that, but I'm sure this guy, like, can't go out in public Uh and not get recognized so yeah i'm sure it's like that for a lot of athletes but for sure yeah i mean we were we were just talking about last week uh the whole ninja story about how we we really can't relate to what it's like for someone like him and even odell as as he's saying here they're in the spotlight 24 7 even while they're sleeping people know you know people want to know what they're doing every minute of every day and what they're saying what they're doing what they're for what they're against so i'm sure especially in a national you know in a more national spotlight you know Sports are, are, are forever going to be one of the dominant, like, cultural things. I mean, America is a big, you know, has so many sports around here, and football is, like, the big one, right? I mean, Sundays are basically days for football. Like, an entire day of the week is for yeah. football. You know what I mean? So, right. And I'm sure someone like him has to deal with this constantly. And you always hear the stories like, oh, I ran to this guy. You, you know, I ran to, you know, OBJ, and he was super nice. And, uh, you know, let me take a picture and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes, you know, he's got places to be, too, you know. I mean, he, he, ain't, he, ain't, getting, he ain't getting paid that, that much money to take pictures, you know what I mean? He's out there to play football. So if he's got to 
He's got to be somewhere. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't take a picture right now. You know, I, you can't really yell at the guy for something like that. Yeah, man. I, I, mean, I understand. You have to understand that as like just a regular person meeting someone who's right. that famous. I met uh, I met Kevin James one time. Oh, and I didn't ask oh, for a picture. Man. I didn't ask for an autograph. <laughs> I just shook his hand, stood there, and talked with him for a minute, and then I was on my way. That's awesome. Yeah, Kevin, uh, I, I, Kevin. That's James. exactly how you should meet them, dude. You're like, okay, I, obviously they know that people are going to recognize them, but you got to be respectful, man. They got personal space. They don't want to be invaded. They're, they're a person too. Like that's what you got to yes. remember. And mm-hmm. I yeah. just have to say, Kevin James, like fucking uh, King of Queens. I love that show. One of my favorite <laughs> shows. It was when but I was anyway. working my job in downtown Atlanta, and I, uh, I, had, I was going out to get lunch one day, and there he was, just chilling, like on a bench. <laughs> just just being a like Kevin I was James. like, oh, uh, that's Kevin James. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, like and you know, OBJ even said in there like about the picture, like the guy wanting a picture and like he doesn't have time. And that was actually one of the funnier parts about it because obviously he goes, uh yeah, I've been a season ticket holder for thirty years and this dude looks like he's twenty. But yeah, no, I mean I get it with that and especially uh somebody like him, who's just a superstar, not only on the field, but off the field. Uh, next topic, uh, going along with the NFL and a big contract, Aaron Rodgers uh, gets a four-year Ooh. deal, a $134 million contract. Exception. Are we really surprised, though? No, Ooh. and you know what? Talk about a guy who is worth every penny. Uh, th- this is the guy. Like, this mm-hmm. guy is – he is the Packers. <laughs> yep. like, oh, yes, absolutely is. I, in my opinion, he's going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. Like, I, oh, yeah. and this is going to be weird to say, but like, I don't think he's underrated, obviously, because he's one of the best in the game. But you always hear like about Brady and stuff like that, and like, yeah, you know, like Rodgers, like the money, like the numbers he puts up. Like, I actually have the stat that I, you know, doing research, I found the most interesting is Aaron Rodgers actually has the with a minimum of two, uh, I think it's 2,500 attempts. He has the best passer rating of all time, like in quarterbacks. It's 103.8. And um, the lowest high. career interception, interception yeah. percentage. Yep, at 1.6%. Uh, yep. It's crazy. Like, 1.6? That is absurd. What in the hell? Dude, like this guy, like he's one of my favorite players to watch because he is electric. And like you have to think about it too, like, he like the receivers he has like okay Devonte Adams I really like I think he's a good receiver and Jordy Nelson like okay he was good it better too, be but, I just drafted him but in my opinion like Jordy like Aaron Rodgers made Jordy Nelson like and even Randall Cobb like dude these guys like again the quarterback makes the wide receivers and the passes that Aaron Rodgers makes the pinpoint accuracy the ball even from throws, deep even from deep like. Dude, he's Mr. Hail Mary, man. Like, this guy is insane. But, um, you know, it's crazy. And like I said, for a guy who's worth every penny, um, Aaron Rodgers obviously hurt last year. Uh, so he missed a you know, big chunk of the season. But his last full season, uh, get these stats, 4,428 yards, 40 TDs, and only seven picks. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> it's insane. This guy, like I said, he's one of the best in the business. Um I- I think he's obviously most famous for, you know, the famous, the infamous discount double check. Discount, yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, but yeah, like like I said, the the numbers this guy puts up consistently. Uh, last year, 
you know, last year honestly kind of sucks for football because you had a lot of superstars get hurt. You had OBJ. You had Aaron Rodgers for like a big chunk of the season. You had Carson Wentz go down. I know that was late, but still, like he was an MVP candidate for like he probably would have won MVP if hadn't he not get like if he didn't get hurt. Um, you know, like I said, Aaron Rodgers, one of the best players to watch, and ter- like for me at least. Uh, so good to see him get the money. And like I said, worth every penny of it. Uh, speaking, he's, of- he, just real quick, he's with Green Bay until the twenty twenty three. 2023 season and i hope he plays every year but because i know he's getting up there in age but hopefully he has a lot of years left uh yep and uh now we're going to move on to somebody who i just mentioned uh, another great quarterback in the nfl the goat. Uh, the goat i will again like i said last week uh he is the goat uh tom brady but this is not anything to do on the field this is stuff to do off the field uh as you may have seen recently, uh, Tom is not happy with the media. He's, <laughs> he's not liking it. So, Bobby, I'll give the reins to you. Being the Patriots fan, uh, and I know you have uh, some good information on this, so go ahead. All right, so here's the deal. So uh, the, the story that came out on August 27th is that uh, Tom Brady hung up during a radio uh, interview with Boston Radio Station uh, WEI, who he apparently uh, calls in for a lot. Um so during the interview, uh, he was asked by the host of the show, uh, who I can't find at the moment, uh, about Alex Guerrero. And I'll, I'll read the, the, the transcripts pretty quick of the conversation. Uh, so the, he was asked about uh, Alex Guerrero, who, if you, if you don't know at this point, is uh, Brady's trainer and uh, a big proponent behind the TB12 method, uh, which became a book. And other players on the Patriots besides Brady have sworn by. Uh, so I'll just read the transcript of the interview real quick. So uh, the host is actually, uh, his name is Kirk Minahane. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, so basically Minahane says, what changed in him not being on the team plane last year and this year, if you remember, uh, Alex Guerrero was kicked off the Patriots plane in the last few weeks of the season. Uh, and that caused the spiral of BS stories about the, these weird rifts between Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, and, uh, and, and Tom Brady. I moving on. So he kept, he kept saying, "Is like, was that just the communication back and forth, or was that an understanding of other things led to that being able to happen this year?" And Brady said, "Yeah, I'm. I am not getting into all of that." Uh, Minahan kind of continued to talk about how he ran to him at the Super Bowl. I remember talking to him, blah blah blah, uh, and asked him about uh, um, Guerrero's relationship with Bill Belichick. And Brady said, "Again, I said I don't want to get into it. Everyone knows it is well documented the work he and I do together." Minahan continued asking, uh, saying, I was trying to figure out because I saw reports this weekend that he's traveling with the team, which that report came out a few days ago, uh, and asked if he was on the sideline Friday, to which Brady said, yeah, all right, guys, have a great day. I'll talk to you later, and hung up on you. Um, this is not the uh, first time this offseason that he's left an interview for questions related to this. He was, hold- I-, I forget how long it was supposed to go. I thought this was in July, but I could be completely wrong. Uh, he was at camp, it was at Pat's camp, and uh, was doing a was doing a media session, press conference, whatever. Uh, and someone someone brought up Guerrero and Edelman. Edelman, you know, being suspended for uh, uh, substance issues. Um, someone a reporter then asked, uh, "Do you find any correlation between Edelman's suspension and Guerrero's methods, or something along those lines?" Which Brady just like smirked and shook his head and walked out of uh, that press conference so um 
looking at that, I, I can see why he's upset. I'm sure he's getting real tired of, of, of this, this story because it's been happening since last year. Uh, but there are, the spotlight's on him for so many different reasons right now. I'm sure he just doesn't want to deal with the BS anymore. He, I mean, obviously, no one knows all the ins and outs besides him, and Guerrero, and Belichick, and, and Robert Kraft, right? Like, no one, no one knows the... No one knows the complete inner workings, and no one ever will. Um, Why so, do reporters keep asking dumb questions like that? It, it's what, what do you want? What do you want? Oh yeah, I know everything, fam. Like that, that's what you want to hear. That's the thing. Like I, I said this to Tyler. Like I, the reporter at the end of the day gets paid to say those things. Yeah. So like I mean, it, it would almost be like he's not doing it. He or she is not doing their job if they're not asking that question. As stupid as it may sound. I thought the Edelman question was pretty stupid, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, I, I can't. The Guerrero thing is a big thing right now. So as far as the radio interview goes, I don't know if that was pushing it too far. I mean, maybe when Brady said, I'm not doing this, maybe stop. But I wish we didn't have to have all this, like, professionalism, man. Like, why can't they just say exactly what they're thinking instead of having, like, sugarcoat it? Because, well, because the problem is, like, if they try and say something, then it's going to get spun into something else. So that's why he keeps his mouth shut, and Brady keeps trying to keep his mouth shut, because he knows that whatever he says, even if it's this innocent thing, there's going to be some outlet that takes it and spins it in a completely different direction. And it's probably annoying. We, you know, we're talking about being like a zoo animal, like what OBJ was saying earlier. He's dealing with the same kind of thing. He's being watched at all times. And right, but a press conference. A press conference is part. I would argue that is, it's a part of your job if you're in the NFL to do the pre- press conferences, especially if you're somebody like Tom Brady. You're getting paid a lot of money. Oh yeah, and I, you what know, OBJ was saying was that he doesn't like being bothered off the field or like when he's just trying to live his life, which is person. fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll I'll agree that the press conferences are are kind of part of the job, right? I mean, what's his name had to. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Uh, that was uh, Marshawn Lynch. yeah, Marshawn Lynch. Um, it, yeah, it is part of the job. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. But we need more Marshawn Lynches because, like, <laughs> there has to be a good percentage of them that are there so they don't get fined. That, well, that's not, <laughs> no, I, 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 I would argue maybe like three quarters of the NFL don't oh, want to be there. Are you kidding for, me? For, I feel like every sport is there. like that. They like, hate the dumb questions, man. I, I yeah. understand why. I so, can't. Just, I cannot wait to wake up and just fucking talk to the media, guys. Yep. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. Eight a.m. tomorrow morning. Oh God, I love it. I love my job. It. This is what I went to college can't and wait for the my headlines. entire life for. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I get it. It's a big story. The growth thing has has caused some controversy and a lot, a lot of questions about the Patriots' inner core. Uh, I, I won't get into all of it. If, if it needs to be talked about again, we will talk about it. But I, I can see why he's upset. Like he just he's back. He wants to, you know have a really good season and i'm sure all he's focused on right now is football i mean let's be honest the patriots are in a really weird spot right now on the field without edelman for a few weeks eric decker retiring on us from out of freaking nowhere so it's it's going to be interesting on the field i'm sure that's all brady wants to focus on so uh, i i really can't blame him for lashing like this on those two interviews real quick i'll put my two cents in uh as somebody who uh I, you know, I was going to college for sports media and, um, you know, I've only been in college for like a year, year and a half at this point. But, uh, like the, the questions they ask, I'm like, unfortunately, as dumb as they are, like it is their job. Uh, and I know like it's across all sports, like there, you know, 
the questions they ask are dumb, but again, it's part of their job. It's what people want to hear. Uh, the, now, in the case of the, I, I'm on both sides of the fe- like with the phone interview. Like, the guy kept pushing it and pushing it, and like again, he wants an answer because like that's what's going to get the clicks and stuff. But in Brady's case, like I told you two times already, like I'm not going to answer this question. Like, you know, I I would leave if I was him too. Um, and obviously with Brady, like again, uh, you know, regarded as more, like the greatest player of all time or one of the greatest players of all time, like he's already got scrutiny on him. And then you got, you know, the deflate gate a few years ago and all this other stuff, you know, the suspensions, like he's got all this stuff, like his eyes on, on him, you know, like Bobby said all the time, like he's got eyes on him all the time and uh, he's already under the microscope. So yeah, this just throws a point. I know he's frustrated. It's obvious. <laughs> um, and that's the I, last I, thing he wants to get talks about. And I, I just, in, in times of the growth story, it's, it's, it's extremely weird to talk about. Worth noting that Guerrero is technically a, a, a sort of family member for Brady. So mm-hmm. their relationship is that close. You know what I mean? It, so I'm sure he doesn't want to be pestered about it and put who he considers probably family in a bad position. You know what I mean? I, wa- I wonder if Brady kisses Guerrero on the mouth. All right, oh moving God. on. Next oh top, my next God. Topic. Go away. Oh my <laughs> God. Why, why did you? No, I'm sorry. That was, that God. was, that was mean. Jesus. <laughs> next. Uh, next, we're going to talk last thing about the NFL here. Um, Jerry Jones uh, come, came out and basically gave his opinion on the preseason. Uh, which I got to say, Jerry Jones has said a lot of things in the past that I don't agree with, but this is one of the things I agree with. So essentially he said that the NFL, what they should do is with, you know, uh, with all the injuries we've seen in the preseason, guys going out for the whole year because of an injury in preseason, he basically said, why don't we cut the preseason down in half, uh, you know, make it two games and then add two games to the regular season. So have an 18 game regular season. you know, I don't know how logistical it is in terms of like, you know, how that would work uh, with the schedule and stuff like that. But I am one of those people, and I think we all are that, and all are all in favor of cutting down the preseason because the amount of guys we've lost in the past two, three seasons due to season-ending injuries in the preseason is like horrible. Like, you know, you got guys that can make a difference in the league like going out because of an injury in preseason. Now we have this whole thing with the helmet hits. So guys are going low. You've seen it with Marquise Lee uh, recently. Um, you know, basically I got his knee blown out because a guy doesn't want to hit him in, you know, in the helmet. So he goes low on him and then, you know, there goes his knee. So I am so pissed about Marquise Lee. You have no idea. I drafted him and literally the day after he gets, he gets hurt. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> wow. Okay. Like I said, you know, I, Jerry Jones is a figure who says a lot of things, but like I said, this is uh, this is something I agree on. Um, I kind of get your guys' opinion on it. I'm I'm sure it's almost the same thing as uh, you know that I'm saying. But yeah, Bobby, if you want to give your opinion, and then Brendy. Uh, so uh, the preseason just feels like I. Just, Looking at the non-injury aspect, the preseason just feels like it takes forever. Like it's the longest tease in the history of teasing. Yeah, it is. Like yeah. it's like what four? How many games? Well, it's four weeks. Four games. Then, four weeks. They, they tease you because the four first, weeks. The first week they have the Hall of Fame game, so that's right. an extra game. So like it's literally like 
I, I guess, you know, early August, and then they tease you for a month before the regular season. I don't know, man. The four, the, the four weeks just seems it's four weeks, and it's it's like all these meaningful scores. And like, like what were we just talking about? The Browns, how they won five to nothing against the Eagles yeah. the other day. Like, it's, it's like, I just can't wait for there to be a competitive game again. I, I mean, I know we're talking about the Browns, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm for like splitting it in half. Honestly, I'm 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 definitely for it. Just to like listen, there's a reason why football is not played in the same regard as baseball or hockey or basketball is. Right? It is a rough game, right? It's so four weeks of preseason, uh, for games that don't even really matter, and and going into all those collisions and potential injury situations. I wouldn't want that. You know, so give, let, give, let, give them two weeks or something to to maybe get their their head on straight and and get get you know get back into the swing of things, and then let's go right into the season. Stop stop teasing me with this BS. So let me just say before Brendy, I get your take. Um, there's a couple of things about preseason too, like that kind of go with this. First of all, um, like the starters don't even play that much. So the first no. game they play one drive, maybe two. Okay, so that's a waste of time. Then you got the second week, they might play one quarter. Okay, big deal. Third week, they might play two quarters. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth game, nobody plays. Like, literally, I, the Broncos game yesterday, they are playing the Arizona Cardinals. They had 30 of their starters not playing. Like, what's the What's the point? They, now, literally, I, the fourth game is just for people that are like just trying to hang on to. That, a job. I, I was gonna say yes, roster cuts. I know this is why they have preseason, and I I understand too. I I like the preseason for the simple fact that it gets players in tuning in. I agree with that. I think it's necessary. Do I think four games is necessary when the starters play like a combined like basically one game over four games? I don't. I think it needs to get cut. That's my opinion. Uh, it's also I just like want to get that in there. It's also like, and I get another big part of the preseason is for the the teams who may not necessarily have starters yet, right? So there you have different guys trying out, or mm-hmm. well, not trying out, like like trying like to fight it. for that spot. Like you know yeah. the quarterbacks. I mean, look at you know the Jets were kind of rotating a little bit there uh, before they got rid of Bridgewater. You know what I mean? Like they were they were they were kind of trying the water for uh, who they thought their their star was going to be. So and I get that, but I don't think you need four weeks to do that. I mean, you can rotate QBs like in between quarters and everything else. I mean, the same goes for the rest of the roles, right? I mean, you can you can throw in a d- different defensive tackle, uh, yeah. You know, every few possessions or every quarter or whatever, if you really need to figure out who you really want starting. But for the most part, most teams I would say have most of their starters in, like they are they they have most of their starters locked in. So really, the only fighting spots I I would say, I mean, I could be completely wrong. Or the kind of the bigger, you know, bigger positions like QB receivers, whatever. But I don't think you need four weeks for that. I think you need two games, and then you you're practicing every other day. Like, I was I mean, just about to say that, like not like, for nothing. Like I know the practice is not like the games, but it's not like they're playing once a week and that's it. Like they're practicing. Right. You can see what they're made of in practice. They are they are on the field, and hell, man, people get hurt in practice. So why add two? Yeah. Why add four? You know rough and tough situations like real games if you're gonna get all your guys hurt it, yeah i don't know I, I yeah i'm with the cutting it in half kind of deal at the least you know um, i'd even go so far as to say just delete the preseason altogether because it's not like anyone's at a disadvantage in the first game they all have their own practices yeah, yeah. i just i just think it gets people in the in the swing of things and it hell it, it yeah. even kind of warms up the, the audience too 
you know, again, like, yeah. like the the biggest thing they do it for is to so the players get a tune up essentially and to for roster cuts because they gotta right. cut their roster. You know, twenty. I think it's. I think each team carries 90 now, and then you have to cut it yeah. to 53. So, yeah. Right. Um, but, like I said, I'm not debating that. Like, I know that's po- like that's what has to happen. Um, it's just that um, four games and, you know, with all the injuries, like I said, I think that can be reduced. Real quick before we move on, uh, Brandy, do you have anything to add? Um, not really, but uh, one thing one thing I will add is the fact that if the NFL were to increase their season by 18 games and like shorten the preseason, um, I think what might um, I think what might help is if they added an additional bye week. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, I think you'd yeah. you'd, ha- you'd have to like literally because like it's players it's like get injured more than they would in the preseason. Like again, I. When we're talking about this, I don't know how logistical it is, like, again, scheduling-wise, but, like, you'd have to have, like, buys from, like, week four to week seven or eight, and then buys from, like, week, like, 12, 11 or 12 to, like, week 15. So, right. Um, so, it's, like, like kind of one, in, like, in the middle, or, like, one in the beginning, and then, like, yeah. one in the end. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I think that could work. Again, it's just, I don't know how. Um, I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't People have that job and I don't, so they can. Yeah, exactly. Out. Yeah, we do um, not get paid to do that. We don't even get paid to do this, but we just like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, Some we're gonna reason. we're gonna move on then now. Uh, now to something that that's gonna bring up some arguments. I'm already telling you right now. Uh, we're gonna switch from sports to video games. Uh, recently, uh, this is big news for me and Bobby. Maybe not so much for Brendy and Zach, um, but Modern Warfare Two. What I regard as the greatest game of all time, what they do not at all, um, is now backwards compatible. It's now available on Xbox One, um, along with now. I know this has been on there for a while, but I just found that MW3 is also on is backwards compatible. So MW3 has been backwards compatible for like a couple years, I think, hasn't it? Has it? I don't even like I said you are you told me the other day it was backwards compatible and that was the first time I ever knew about it and I actually Oh wait no sorry I'm wrong it hasn't been a couple of years it became backwards compatible like June 19th or June 20th or something like oh, okay. that Okay I mean still that's it's been 2 months I don't even know about it. and that's like I also love that game too so like <laughs> it's funny you bring that up but I like uh, that game Yeah it was a good game I liked it too however my, I thought Modern Warfare 2 was better and uh, so, you know, we argued, of course, before the podcast, like days in advance when we brought this up as a possible topic. Uh, basically, what I'll tell you what transpired. I said, look at this. This is the greatest game of all time. And then I got roasted. That's the dumbest statement ever. By, by two, the greatest game of all time. <laughs> by two things. And then Bobby just, you know, he was on my side. So it was basically a 2v2 fight arguing. I don't even know how to approach this. Like, I guess, should one side take their their point and then go to the other side? Like, how should we just do give, this? Because it's going to be argument. Give us your argument, and we'll come back with a rebuttal. So, I, I will The court say, recognizes Tyler Johnson. <laughs> please stand and give your argument, please. Your judge is biased. I have to agree with one, some, uh, one thing you said the other day, which was about the nostalgia part. <clears throat> I think that is big for me. However... And, you know, again, my vision may be skewed because the last few years, the Call of Duty games have blown. But <laughs> the game was just, it was, 
it went like the movements were good, the guns were good. The intervention is the best sniper in Call of Duty history. That's another hot take That's that they won't completely wrong, but all right. It definitely like can we agree on one thing? It made the best sound. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, okay, definitely. we can at least agree on that. Do what? not don't that's start not this shit take. again, dude. That that's it's literally a meme now. That's how good it is. But anyway, I, it's just like again, the movements were good. Uh, one thing that me and Bobby enjoy that I know you know most of the Call of Duty games are based off of uh, multiplayer only, but the Spec Ops missions were good and God. fun. We're going oh, yeah, now and doing them. Uh, we're, we're, we're literally me and Tyler started last night. We're trying to get three stars in all of them again. Uh, I think I think I have like fifty. I need like thirteen more stars over them. I think I have like fifty six. Yeah, I forget yeah. how much you need. I have. Uh... <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like you know, it had it all. The the campaign was good. Like, how can you not remember that last mission? Like, Spoilers. By the oh, way, it's been out for like yeah, ten, spoiler six, alert on year. a nine-year-old game. <laughs> I don't know, man. Listen, listen, man. It's not in nine years. I just unlocked the last set of Spec Ops missions, so you can kiss my ass, all right? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Bobby, you can give your side of it. I don't know. Like I said, it was just it was awesome coming home from sixth grade every day. I think I think that's how old I was when the game came out. Yeah. Sixth or seventh grade, coming home, jumping on from. The time I got home, the time I went to bed. Yep. Like, I, I think I told Played them the, the other day. I, I don't know, because I haven't checked it since I got back on, but I think I have like 30 or 40 days on there, which is <laughs> a lot. Now, I know it's That's over nothing. nine I know it's, yeah, it is over nine years, but like, you know, I haven't played it for the past two or three, four years, so. There's well, no, I was saying it's nothing because me and Zach have like a combined like 80 or 90 hours on Black House 1. <laughs> you said, Brady, you still don't have uh, Dude, like 800 hours. Brandy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny though, you two still don't even touch our, our, our old friend from our old clan who had, what, he said 90 or 100 days on uh, the first Black Ops. Uh, legendary. Legendary. Oh, yeah. Well, Legendary was an interesting situation though. I know. I know that. I just, I, 90 to 100 days on that game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Wait, me. hold on real quick. What game did you say you had? 800 hours on or Black whatever? Ops One. Okay, that was a good game too. So like, I can't. Well, it's probably close that, to a but... thousand, thousand hours. <laughs> on Black Ops One. I, I guess I'll we'll let Bobby talk if his opinions on the game, and then we'll let the firestorm that is Brendy and Zach talk. So I'm, I'm coming for you, Bobby. All right. <laughs> so so I real quick, I want to give a quick note about Black Ops One. That the campaign does not get enough love. Can I just oh yeah, that real quick. That yeah, is, that's campaign. probably my favorite campaign in the Call of Duty I mean, series. I don't the know. Numbers, Mason. I'm yeah. just saying, MW2 was up there for me, but yeah, Black Ops One. Was I think Black Ops was the best because it was so it had the tiniest little bit of effed up things happening, and yeah. they're like, it, I, it was, I think Reznov is the best Call of Duty character ever. Well, you, you think who? Reznov. Oh, absolutely. I no question. Dude, I, I, I kid you not. I, I love this campaign so much that I think like, I, I don't know, I did this a few months ago. A few months ago, I looked up to see if anybody just straight played through the campaign, no voiceover, no nothing, just so I could watch it. Like, <laughs> that's how good that story was to me. I loved it. Anyway. And r real quick, I just want to add like, and I could be completely wrong on this, and I'm going to try to find a way to explain this because I'm not sure. But that the Black Ops One campaign was like one of the first campaigns that had like the interactive stuff kind of in the like the 
campaign. So what I mean is, oh, like, yeah. like, I get, I don't know how to explain it, but essentially, like, you you could do, like, other things in there, like, by pressing a button and made you do that, like... Yeah, you could get so, up, you can get up from the electric chair, and you could, uh, you yeah, could go like over and you play, play the, Dead Ops uh, Arcade. Yeah, yeah, the Dead Ops Dude, Arcade. I'm, I'm sure everyone is aware of the mission in Modern Warfare 2, where you go to the airport. That... <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Dude <laughs> that did not age well at all. That oh, no. Not even close. Been, that might have been the most fucked up mission in Call of Duty history, but... You know, again, dude, I was playing that when I was like, I must have been thirteen or fourteen. I'm twenty one now, but I was like, is this a real mission? Like, <laughs> did this all, actually happen? Video games, like I even play Grand Theft Auto, but this is fucked up. I mean, what was good? What was good is that it at least told you. Like, I remember, I remember first getting the game and putting it. In, it's like, hey, by the way, there's a mission that may make you feel really uncomfortable <laughs> while you're playing this game, and I'm like, nah, I can take anything. Oh yeah, let's just murder everybody in an airport with a light machine gun. Yep, let's, <laughs> let's do that. Yep, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, that, it was kind of messed up. I would feel guilty playing it now. I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's part of the story, so I chose to play it. I would play it again if I was doing another campaign run. Now, you see, if you go back and just play that one mission by itself, you're you're psychotic. Yeah, you're a psychopath. But, um... Would have been better if I had an intervention. <laughs> just sniping <laughs> people. Collateral. 500-person collat. <laughs> Jesus. But, uh... <laughs> Alright, so my argument for Modern Warfare 2. So, uh, I will argue that it's the greatest game of all time. That's what? Like, hold on, hold on, hold okay, on. I was just I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> or people start yelling at me. Uh, I'm not gonna argue... I, it's my favorite Call of Duty. Uh, I think it doesn't get... I mean, it gets enough credit but the whole i've i've noticed recently the argument's like oh no it really wasn't a good game it's just nostalgic i disagree there are a lot of things in that game that have not been continued that should have no Um, yeah what do you mean so hold on before you 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 miss one man army do you miss one man army grenade launcher noob yes i do actually believe it or not do you miss uh fucking juggernaut if your if your argument is simply going to be on multiplayer perks your argument is literally dead and i want nothing to do with this debate but uh, keep you going. say that for Freddy. everything bob Freddy. you're like oh your argument's dead no shut the fuck up let us it's because, not dead because, because people <laughs> it is dead. you're basing it off one mode of the game you're basing the it biggest off part mode. i not in this bobby, one bobby why do you buy call of duty why do I buy Call of Duty? Yeah, would you spend sixty dollars on it just for the campaign? Uh, I, if the campaign was good, sure. That's why story games are still big. Uh, like, you're bullshitting yourself. No, okay. If, if Call of Duty next year were to be like, okay, we're gonna make a campaign only game, we're gonna price it at sixty dollars. Would you buy it? It depends. On. It depends on what I'm getting. I, like so, oh, hold just on. the campaign. Let me, ready, yeah. let me actually do my argument. You freaking idiot. Let me talk. So <laughs> no, I, I'm ready, baby. You didn't let me get this out yet. So I'm ready. I'll get to the campaign thing in a second. But with Battle Two, my argument is simply this. I, I like the feel of the game. I personally really like the feel of the game. It's definitely a lot more cartoony compared to the best of the games. You go from Modern Warfare 2 to Black Ops 1, there is a completely different feel. You could argue that like World at War and uh, Black Ops 1 felt a little more authentic, I guess, just with the times they were based in and whatever. I like those games too. Um, and I like the kind of authentic feel, especially for a game like World at War. But for Modern Warfare 2, it, it felt like an arcade shooter, which, okay, you may not like. That's completely fine. Uh, but to me, that game just felt smooth. It felt everything just felt right at that game. Like I felt a lot more in control of everything in that game that I did compared to others. 
And as for the rest of the game itself, I thought the campaign was beautiful. The campaign was awesome. I had a lot of fun. I never got tired of that campaign. The campaigns in recent Call of Duties I, I were pretty lackluster, right? So if you're going to tell me, so if you want to break up the argument, okay, if Call of Duty said we're going to bring up a, a $60 campaign-only game, you're right. I may not buy it. But to, to say that it's not an integral part of the game is BS. It should be improved and something I hope that they at some point kind of look at and be like, look, it's still a part of the game. Like the World War II campaign I thought was great. It was awesome. It was awesome being in that setting and doing those missions. But like I did not care for the Advanced Warfare campaign. I did not care for the Infinite Warfare campaign. I did not play Black Ops 3, so I, I can't really say. Um, Black Ops 3 campaign was kind of a flop. Okay, I, I figured it because you're it. right. The multiplayer is the biggest part of Call of Duty, and, and deservedly so. I just, I, to me, it felt like a complete game, because if you're going to sit there and tell me you don't get tired of multiplayer, you're lying to yourself. So what I want to do is I want to go do something else, even though I do like the game. And so a lot of times, it would be private match, you know, quick scoping on Rust, of course. But then, to me, the Spec Ops ha add a whole different thing that I can do, and I enjoy the ever-living hell out of them. I still do. I, I don't get tired of this thing. And I can go and play, play the campaign again and still be fine. Hell, I'll go into the museum at the end of the goddamn campaign <laughs> and still do that stuff, man. Like, they had so much in that game. It was absolutely worth the price tag. So, and that was one of the games that, you know, I experienced. Let me, let me preface by saying that was like the first. I, I was very behind on Call of Duty because I didn't get a 360 till late. That was like the first, like, Call of Duty that I truly experienced when it came out. I was that, still playing COD that was also 4. Mine. Right. So I was still playing COD 4 up on like up until like I don't know, 2 months after MW2 release. Like I I did not play World at War until I bought it on PC like a, a year or two ago, right? So I, to me, and, and maybe that's that's part of my bias, right? Cuz that was like the first Call of Duty experience, but to say that it was this total trash game, I think it is is absurd. I didn't to me. say it was a trash game. I'm not arguing that. I'm just arguing that it's not the best. Sure, I, 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 and and that's fine. But I've seen a lot of people say it was a horrible game. It's just the nostalgia brings it back. I don't, I don't believe that at all. I think it, it had its bullshit that was more annoying than the bullshit in other Call of Duty games. To me. I just don't. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, every game's gonna have its bullshit, though, right? And right. And, no, I, mean, I agree. Can... I'm just saying its bullshit was more annoying than some of the other bullshit out there. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, the one man army noob tube was annoying, sure, but there were a lot of other things that dealt with in Call of Duties that I'd rather deal with the one man army over. And I, I get that's the one man army is such a meme. Oh man, I'll take world. the Famas from Black Ops One over Grenade oh, no, One Man Army any day. Oh man, how no, man, dude. Oh dude, my that, god, that grenade launcher, you can't do anything against that, dude. But no it's, way. It, at least with the noob tube thing, though, it's kind of like it, it was something that I feel like everybody hated, right? And then the players who were kind of doing that were kind of these outcasty players where it's like something like a broken gun mm -hmm. like the FAMAS and Black Ops 1 like competitive players were using that and you play it because you know it's good right I mean the one man army thing wasn't necessarily good it was just annoying. I've got an entirely different discussion on the FAMAS <laughs> Yeah we, I mean, we, we, we can save that for another video. Another hot take Zombies was better than Spec Ops Yes no I, I don't even I don't even think that's They're both no. very good no, I'm just saying that I wish, like, so I wish Infinity War would have, you know, since they're not, or they weren't at the time doing the whole zombies thing, they should have continued doing on Spec Ops in their future games. Like, yeah, I would have so loved zombies. to have seen uh, Modern Warfare 3 include uh, a more in-depth Spec Ops thing. Because I, I like those things. I mean, hell, the, what was the, I can't remember, the name of the Snow Stealth Mission. 
is awesome. I, and then the I one, thought uh, the Modern Warfare 3 Spec Ops was severely underrated. I actually really liked it. I, I, I don't even, like, remember it. I, I know I did them, but I don't... Compared to MW2, I, I honestly... Oh, yeah, nothing compared to MW2 Spec Ops, but I think right. MW3 is, like, a close second. Right, and then, you know, it's kind of fell off, right? Which, I, again, I right. get it, because Activision makes the game every other year, and then they include the zombies, which, why, why you, you know, spend the time to you make zombies. Treyarch? Spec Ops. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, Treyarch, I'm sorry. Um, but for Infinity Ward, I don't know why they wouldn't have really focused on the Spec Ops part, because, I mean, everybody will do the campaign, sure, um, and everybody will play the multiplayer, that's what most people buy Call of Duty for, but uh, to me, that's another mode that, just makes the $60 price tag that much worth it. If you include another part of the game that you you spend some time on and it's a little more unique, right? I mean, we've complained about Call of Duty for a while, at least I have, because it's kind of been very cut and dry, and I think goddamn jetpacks. I love Halo, and I love the you know the kind of the, the, the higher jumps and everything like that, but the, the, the jetpacks and exosuits just think... I, I actually really like Black Ops 3, though. One of my favorite Call of Duties. I, I can't have an opinion because I didn't play it, especially in its prime. Uh, so I really can't have an opinion on it. But I, you know, I, I'll take your word for it because I mean, I think you're for for the most part the enjoyment we get out of the Call of Duties each year are more are one and the same. Um, especially since we both play competitively or at least attempt to. Right. Uh, but you know, so that's the end of my argument. I, I really think it's the best one that I, I to me. Um, and we can say it's a nostalgia, but I honestly, in terms of worth the $60 price tag and the amount of fun that I had on that game and the, and the feel of that game to me, to me, everything was hit like nail on the head, at least to me. So I'll let you two have the floor because I know we don't want to spend too much more time on this. But All right, uh, well, I'll, 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 I'll try to be quick. So obviously the, um, mul the multiplayer talk, well, sorry, I was reading something. Um, the whole multiplayer aspect of the game is the biggest aspect of the game. Like, if Call of Duty were to release just multiplayer, which is what they're doing this year, if they were to like, just release a multiplayer thing for $60, people would still buy it. Because there's a significant portion of the community that just play the multiplayer and don't even touch the campaign. Mm. Um, You're right. Like, yeah, you know, prime example. I, I openly admit that I do not play the comp campaign on Call of Duty. I, I play the multiplayer. That's what I buy but the game for. In terms of Call of Duty, though, I think Modern Warfare 2 is probably the most imbalanced game I've ever played. Um, and d take your finger off that hot, hot take button, Bobby. Um, Kiss my ass. <laughs> but no, it, it is absolutely uh, unbalanced. Uh, if you are, I don't, like, I understand, like, back then, like, killstreaks, like, were kind of like a new concept. Like, it, it started out with, like, the 3, 5, and 7 in the, in the COD 4 and World at War. Uh, and then, um, and then in Modern Warfare Two, they introduce you know all these you know huge kill streaks um, that could stack, and then of course the infamous nuke that anyone can get nowadays. Oh, by the way, I just have to say something real quick. Sorry, I, I played two my first two games. I played on Modern Warfare Two backwards compatible, like on Xbox. But like the two first games, somebody got a nuke in. <laughs> yep. I forgot about that. Sorry, I just had to add that. <laughs> All right. Well, no, no, you're fine. Um, but honestly, like, if if you could get a, a seven kill streak, which is quite honestly not very difficult in Modern Warfare Two anymore, um, get you know you're basically guaranteed a nuke because especially if you have something like Danger Close Pro, where you get a Chuck Norris enhanced fucking 
uh, Harrier strike and then a fucking AC-130 or a chopper gunner also Chuck Norris enhanced and then a tactical nuke which fucking ends the game like that's a terrible concept if that game were to be released today it would it would flop so hard and like they would seriously lose money like which is why it's a good thing it was released earlier when people could take the bullshit because uh because Modern Warfare 2 quite honestly it was innovative it was new it was uh, it was a great idea but if that were to be released today it would not do well at all Okay, so one thing, one thing I want to counter you with. So, in terms of the, you know, if it was released today, it wouldn't, it would flop. I mean, you're right in a sense that if we're if we're comparing it to the Call of Duty, like let's let's just say that Marvel Two is going to be the newest Call of Duty being released, like uh-huh. the, this this upcoming October or whatever. So that means we've, I mean, I, you know, let's call Marvel Warfare Three something else, so we're not being weird about it. So. That means you would have had Black Ops, you would have Monster 3, you would have had Ghosts, Advanced Warfare, Black Ops 3, and Infinite Warfare, as well yeah. as Remastered COD 4. And we're talking about it in terms of just multiplayer, right? Right. 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 So, okay. yeah. So, yeah. If Modern Warfare 2 was released after those games, yeah, I'm sure it would be like, did you guys take a complete step backwards? But I'm not looking at it for the... I said earlier, and you guys agree with me, that every game is going to have its BS. So let's say that it was going to be released uh, around this like this year, right? So if it gets released this year, and the one-man army thing starts to happen, of course people are going to get upset. But they're still going to deal with it, and the people are, are still really going to play this game. The only thing I can see everybody knocking is the feel of the game, because at this point, we are at these ultra-high-tech, high tech high quality movements and and graphics and everything else so just the look of the game would would make it flop but i don't think the actions inside of multiplayer itself would drive people away from this game because there's always something wrong with each of these games so like infinite warfare how many hours did you honestly put into that game maybe so (laughs) exactly exactly so that game comes out and so now here's the thing most people bought it yeah they only bought it to get COD 4 remaster. I did. Which yeah, which is exactly what I did. So people literally bought a new game to play a past game. Even though COD 4 had its own thing, and let's be honest, you know, it the kill streaks were there at the time. There was only three of them, and there's only so much you can do. The real big thing they added into the remaster version of COD 4 were the skins and the crates. Like that's it. And people still played the hell out of that game. Again, how many years later? So I I you know, compared to everything else, sure. But you know, the fact of the matter is everybody knows Call of Duty has been on the decline since I would say Ghosts. Uh, even though, you know, it's very hit or miss whether you think Ghosts is a good or a bad game. And that's all fine and dandy. But I, nobody liked Infinite Warfare and that game still came out. And the only reason the sales numbers went out for that was because they packaged Call of Duty 4 Remastered. Right. So, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd buy that argument. We'll let Zach uh, talk real quick because he has to get out of here in a few minutes. But uh, he has I to like leave the going. studio. He has to leave, leave studio. the studio. Yeah. But yeah. yeah Zach, um, go ahead. Zick is leaving I, the building. I agree with Rennie in terms of it being like really unbalanced. And I want to say I remember people complaining about this when the time at the at the time when the game was actually popular and it was being played. Noob tubes were a problem from the start of the game, from the get go. I don't think they ever like did anything about it. No. But, um, 
Here's what's funny about that, the though. UMP, it became the UMP was stopping power. That was... The UMP-45 was stopping power. That was annoying. Shoot someone across the map with that damn thing. I just want to say... I have unlimited range. Like, the game had so many problems. And I still played it. I still had a great time playing it. I'm not going to say it was a bad game, because I, I will agree with you, Bobby. It was a good game for the time that it came out. And if it came out today, it would flop. Yes, I <laughs> I just want to say, real quick, the UMP in Modern Warfare 2 is the reason why I still buy UMPs in CSGO so often. Like, it, I love yeah. that UMP. I know. U- I could take silence. people. Oh, my yeah. God. It was over. It was over. You put the silencer on that, and you have stopping power and steady aim and... I, don't know, I probably ran Marathon as first perk just because and I the like fact that you could spray the muscle. Barrett, which is a 50 caliber <laughs> rifle, <laughs> blow your arm off, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just, and, and your guy's running around with that Barrett like it's so light. Like you're not shooting from a, <laughs> a, like a, like a tripod stand. You are actively <laughs> like across, the, across the map with a sniper rifle. You know, but, some people had those motherfucking trigger fingers, bro. Oh, but dude, Yo, that, remember mods back in the day? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what I was so just about many. to say. What do you mean back in the day? Like, my, still there. I know, but yeah. Modern Warfare 2 was famous for a few reasons. One, that was like the game, like, you knew all the toxic Xbox Live parties would be on. And then, obviously, the intervention and everything. But the other thing was uh, 1,600 Microsoft points for a 10th Prestige hack lobby. And then mm-hmm. the people who would get modded controllers. We know somebody who bought a modded controller. Yeah, and yeah. just using trigger fingers, so every time you get a barrel, it's yeah. absurd. <laughs> you do that again, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby could be a rapper with that. Um, but yeah, it's like it's you could be the fourth Miko. <laughs> just to be just to, just to be clear, Bobby. Like I I agree with that. Like that's kind of like where modding started. But just to be clear, like it transitioned into Black Ops One. Like there's nothing oh, yeah. worse than like. Seeing someone running around with a Spaz twelve, like just oh, yeah. <laughs> Spaz twelve, yeah. yeah. I know. I would. I, I just would argue that Modern Warfare two, since it started it, that's kind of like what you think of when you hear like mods and and hack lobbies and everything. I mean, they happen in every single COD that gets released. I mean, oh, I went to Black Ops two a few months ago, and any lobby you get into, there's purple text and people flying through the sky, <laughs> and, and I'm deranking somehow. Like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> on my on my Call of Duty Four game, it got hacked. But the only thing that got hacked was the message board when you go into the game. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so, now, <laughs> so now it permanently says, "I'm a blow to powder, run shit." <laughs> <laughs> the guy's gamer tag is "I'm a blow to powder," and it just says he runs shit. <laughs> like, All right, yeah. uh, I guess I'm a blow to powder is the king now. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. like. The thing with, uh, I just want to go back to a point real quick. Like, I, I will admit the new tubes are annoying and Modern Warfare 2, but like, I feel like obviously after the game died, people were using it literally every game, but like in its prime, like maybe, I don't know, this is just my opinion. It could be completely different from you guys, but like, I didn't feel like people used it that. Oh, what? yes, they did, man. No, yeah, they like, did. Like, what yeah, the they fuck did. Are, are you kidding me, man? I use a grenade launcher can every I, single game. I, I I Why would I not? I'm I'm talking in terms of how much they used it after the game was out of its prime. Like I was Even talking, more. That's right, what I'm but saying. what's the point after that? But, Nobody plays it anymore, so of course you're going to do the newbie uh, stuff. You're missing the point. I'm saying, like, <laughs> I'm saying, like, compared to what it was after, like, it wasn't even as close like i know people still use them i'm aware of that but like it wasn't like i in my opinion it wasn't that bad 
People yeah. didn't use them a whole lot when the fir- game like first came out. Um, but like after the game like left its prime, that's when it came went to hell with all those fucking grenade launchers. <laughs> I would argue though. So like I was making the point earlier, and I don't know if I, act- I essentially wrapped it up. So I was talking about how there's a difference between something like the noob tube and one man army thing happening. Like in 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 steady play, it's not. I I would say it's seen as good. It's annoying, but it's not necessarily good. Something like the Broken Famas and Black Ops One is good, right? Like you can go around and drop fifty bombs on games with that, right? But you really can't do that with a noob tube, which is probably why it never got dealt with. With kill streaks, you could. What do you mean? Like what? Like in Modern Warfare? What, wait, why are you t- are you talking about Modern Warfare Two? Yes. Yeah, so like with Modern Warfare Two, like you know, just get a few kills with a grenade launcher and you just let your streaks do the rest. That's how you get 100, 200 kills a game. Right, but like, so here's the thing with the YouTubers that they have to be, I, I don't want to say long range, but like, if you have like a guy who's like rushing around and you're kind of standing in one spot just kind of shooting overhead somewhere, you're going to get caught at some point and get shot down and then you're going to lose your streaks. Right? Not so necessarily. How do you say? Because most of the time, people that use those fucking grenade launchers, like, they're, they're hiding in like in areas where you can't really get shot and like, as soon as they get a kill, they're like running around to somewhere else that's just as uh, just as good as a hiding spot. Here's the thing about those spots, especially in something like Modern Warfare 2, people knew the spots, right? So like if you knew somebody was shooting from somewhere, you knew where to go. It's part of the meta. It's how a game meta works. So I, I would argue and like the fact yeah, that, that meta is in the game though is why it's completely gone to shit though. I, I would argue but my, my main argument is this is that like, okay, sure, you can probably stack up your score streaks with noob tubes. Um I don't think it's as easy as you're making it out to be. I really don't. I, I, admittedly, I've, um, <laughs> I've used oh, no, them before. Have. I know we all have because it's just what you did at that time. It's, right. It's not a cardinal sin to play the game that way. It's annoying, and and I kind of want to beat your head in, but otherwise, <laughs> it's not like a cardinal sin. You know what I mean? So I mean, I don't do it anymore. Trust me. Oh yeah. I, uh, I, I think that was a. That was a good argument. I don't think we solved anything, but at least we got it. It's a debate on opinion. It's a debate on opinion. You know, I, right. I don't think it's going to change. We're not trying to debate yeah. back. No, here. I know. It's, it's not but a climate change argument. We'll wrap this up because Zach has to get out of here and then we'll get uh, on to the in case you missed the segment. Alrighty, but, fellas. Yeah. Good talking with you. See you next week. Yeah. See you next yep. week. Bye. See you next week. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we're going to move on to the, in case you missed this segment now, after that streaming match. Actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm not going to lie. It was okay, because you, you, you didn't have stupid takes. You actually had good takes. Well, I, you know, when I was excited, what do you want me to tell you when the, when <laughs> I seen that? <laughs> oh, no, if you, were, if you were to keep on saying that it was the best game ever, that's when I would have, like, stood up and yelled. Well, okay, <laughs> I, maybe best game ever is a stretch. It was my favorite Call of Duty, though, like. Best game ever. That's, that's, a val- that's a valid point. But, though. like, I will say, it is, uh, it's top three in best games ever. I'm just putting it out there. That. Best game ever title belongs to Halo 3, and if anybody disagrees, you can go come see me. That was fun. Halo Reach, that, no, but that was fun for <laughs> all the game modes we created. Oh my god, I, I, nothing will, I, I, I swear, I had to drink water just to feel my tear duct from crying so much. Like, <laughs> laughing, like, laughing, yeah. in, like, in, in, uh, in the Halo 3 modes, like, oh god, we, we could have a whole podcast about oh, what yeah. we did in Halo 3 with the amount of game modes that we did. Uh, honorable mentions: Jaws and uh, Ice Cream Truck. So, yeah. Uh, right, this was way, this was way before I went Brundy, but yeah, that could be a whole other podcast. Let's uh, 
Let's move on before this is four and a half hours. So, Brenda, you can go ahead with in case you missed it. So I've got a variety of stories for you today. First, we're going to start off in California. Um, and just just to be clear, not to be confused uh, with Dis- not to be confused with Disney World. Uh, it has been announced um, just today, actually, that Disneyland uh, will begin to serve alcohol in the Star Wars section of the park. <laughs> uh, now, okay. Disney World uh, has obviously they have their whole. Um, they have their old like a uh, Club Thirty Three thing on the New Orleans Square, uh, okay. where they actually serve alcohol. Where it has like that long ass waiting list you guys know about. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, but this is the first time that Disneyland has decided, hey, we're gonna start serving alcohol, uh, and it's restricted to the Star Wars section. Uh, now, should more amusement parks do this? Do you guys think? Uh, <laughs> I'll say my opinion first. No, because <laughs> like. I mean, Keep in mind, that's about as family-friendly as you can get. Well, this is what I'm getting to. Like, you know, okay, I'm going to say this, and I'm I'm talking about the 99% of people. I'm not talking about the 1%. Like, you go there to Disneyland or, like, an amusement park with your kids. Like, you're not going by yourself as a 44-year-old man. Like, hopefully, again, there might be that 1%, but I'm just saying for the 99%, like, you're going there for your kids' reasons. Like, you know, if you if you need the drink to have a good time around your kids, maybe you have some other issues. But yeah, it's for the kids, man. Like, why do you need alcohol? Like, spend some time with your kids, watch them on rise, have a good time. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go on the other side of the spectrum on this one. So, I'm gonna disagree with you on a couple of things. One, it's it's okay. Yes, it has. It's it's supposed to be family friendly, and uh, we translate family friendly into uh kid friendly and meant for the kids right i understand that whole thing but so i was just in disney world uh, a few weeks ago right and down in florida so they have a lot of rides that kind of give you like the kind of brief history things of 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 walt disney and what his vision for disney world and disneyland were right so part of what they kept making a point about is that um he wanted a place where kids and their parents could both enjoy themselves right because there's a bunch of parks that you can just take your kids to and let your kids run free but the parents really don't do anything because one maybe they can't even get on the rides because they're all you know really small for like little kids you know what i mean but disney world is supposed to be something completely different right Mm -hmm. like to me you don't have to have a kid to go there my you know my uncle even goes there with my uncle and aunt both go there you know just just you know they don't have any kids they go down there just because it's nice down there right i mean and you know they're probably not spending the entire time in the parks they're probably on you know the the the, the um downtown disney stuff or um you know some of the beaches around or whatever but i to, to say that it's just for the kids is is i i think uh a little too short-sighted because it is supposed to be for everybody and i mean yeah i mean i'm sure uh I'm sure you know a group of guys or, or just friends in general are, uh, that are older than 18 are going to go there uh, to see the princesses. Uh, I'm sure, but th- but the rides that are there, I mean, anybody can ride them. I mean, I was going on with you know our uh, our buddy's dad and and mom and 
family and all that. And they were, you know, they weren't kids. I mean, I went on with my, my little sisters so, and all so, that too. Hold on, I'm sorry. Cause now that you're standing like this, I do see how my point is bad, but um, what I actually meant was like in the kids section, like, so for Disney world, you have like downtown Disney and like, I would even say like Epcot, like the countries, like in oh those places, like, yeah, I don't mind serving alcohol because a lot of it is like, you know, a lot of adults go there. Mm-hmm. But merely talking about like, I'm trying to think. Uh, Magic Kingdom. Yeah, not, but like even there's parts of Magic Kingdom where like you know they have big rides, but I can't think of what it's called. Like this section there, but there's like one area that it's Tomorrowland. It, that okay, yeah, like there's there's a couple that are a lot like you know strictly like there's a lot of rides for kids and like in those areas because um like. I guess I'll kind of go with my personal experience and like Bobby might be able to test this too. Like we live in Jersey and when we go down to the Jersey shore, like uh Wildwood uh, is like, you know, the main beach down there. It's got the boardwalk and stuff like that, which um, is, you know, famous and stuff like that. Like there's like so much alcohol served now and like stuff like that. And it's kind of gotten trashy into the sense where like, it's almost like, it's like almost too trashy. I don't know. At least that's my experience with it. Like, um, I remember like prom weekend, obviously a lot of people got messed up like in our group, but like there was even more people there that were just on the boardwalk at like 10 o'clock at night who were like, like drunk as a skunk and like literally just uh, couldn't even hold themselves up. And like, those are the points where, like where you have kids there that those are the times where it's like, okay, this is a little much. Like I understand, like, again, if it's in Disney, world again like i said i know this is for disneyland disney world like downtown disney or epcot i do agree with that what i really meant to say was like in the kids sections that i don't agree with well, well keep mean, in mind it's all it's only like limited to one section right now yeah but that, that it's, doesn't not, sound it's not like, like you can just go there and just buy one where, wherever you want to right i want to i want to point out real quick though that's not the only place you can buy alcohol at least in disney world right i know we're talking about disneyland but disney yeah. world any restaurant you go to or any of the ones i went into you can buy drinks Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, I, like you said, we were talking about Disneyland, but yeah, like in Disney World, like I don't and, know. And I think those that like get like totally, you know, the, the irresponsible drinkers shouldn't uh, speak on behalf of those who just want to have a few drinks while they're out with their family. And I see nothing wrong with that. I mean, as long as no, they're not, know. they're not, they're not getting in a car with their kids on the way back. As long as they're not putting their kids in bad spots or just being just total asshats, I don't see any problem with just them grabbing a couple of drinks. So. Um, and it's good on them. You know what? Go, go grab a few and, uh, do some Star Wars rides. Try not to get sick. All right. Well, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next story. And this one involves, uh, something that, uh, I think you two can probably, uh, you probably relate to. So this has to do with Joel Embiid. Uh, Trust the, prob- the god damn process. Probably okay. the best basketball player of of all time, next to Brian Scalabrini. <laughs> oh my god! It's a. Uh, you know, How did you just say that out loud? How did you just say that out loud? Uh, you don't question the goat, dude. Okay. Anyway, so Joel Embiid has uh, written an article for the Players Tribune, where he was talking about his early high school days, learning American culture, and trying to get Bill Self to redshirt him. And of course, like how he learned. Um, to uh, shoot, like, specifically three-pointers with good form. And this is what he said. I'm going to read this section of the article to you guys. It says, So I'm chilling one night, 
and I go on YouTube, uh, YouTube, and I'm thinking about about to figure the shooting thing out. I go to the search box like, how to shoot three pointers? Mm, nah. How to shoot good form? Nah. Then the light bulb went off, man. I typed in the magic words. White people shooting three pointers, <laughs> <laughs> and and then he goes on to say, "Listen, I know it's a stereotype, but have you seen a normal thirty-year-old white guy shoot a three-pointer? That elbow is tucked, man. <laughs> These are bent. The follow-through is always perfect. You hear? <laughs> so, oh, wow. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Bobby, you've probably watched more Joel and B than I have. Would you say that this has worked for him? He's, I mean, he's the face of the damn franchise. What do you want right now? <laughs> Seriously. And, and you know, with all the issues with the uh, freaking... Oh, my God. With, with freaking... Oh, my God. Uh, Fultz. This is why my losing name, Fultz. I don't know why I lost yeah. his name for a second there. Uh, yeah, with all the issues with Fultz, he was kind of relying on for the, show, the, the, the shooting role. But, I mean, he's the face of the franchise. He literally is what's selling the seats because of the whole process movement, which I know Stephen A. Smith has a problem with. <laughs> you can come see me, Stephen A. Um. Oh shit! I, 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 um, I, he's he's whatever worked for him has brought him to the NBA as the face of the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't yeah. care if he learned it from some homeless guy in the middle of the Bronx. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, whatever worked, and maybe yeah. he needs to go show show fault a thing or two. But so I mean, uh, like he's he's one of those players too, like that the league is kind of transitioning to like the big guy that can shoot threes. So mm-hmm. like, and he's a good three point shooter. So, Hey man, whatever works, but I will say, and you know, this is not supposed to come off racist, <laughs> but I feel like every good basketball team has to have that one guy, that one white guy that can shoot threes. <laughs> every team has to have, No, you're completely right. <laughs> no, dude, are you literally every team? Like, I like, I'm going to go to college basketball here and, you know, I'm a Michigan fan, so I know this really well. Like their team was good, but they had a three pointer, uh, three point, you know, shooter, white guy, Duncan Robinson, who's now in the NBA. Dude, like I forget the stat, but when he scored six points or more, I think they were like twenty nine and zero or something wow. like that in his tenure. Yeah, I forget the stat, but that was a big thing. And then, of course, in that final the championship game where they ended up getting blown out, he did not score six points, and what happened? They lost by 20. So, dude, like, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta have that white guy that can shoot three. It's, okay, it's real, real, the real quick. Ingredient. Real quick, can you tell me again what the search, he said the search was on YouTube? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was white people shooting three-pointers. Okay, I'm <laughs> gonna look this up. I wanna see what comes up. Uh, that's that's great though. Oh, I want to see right. what comes up. All right. Well, if you don't mind, I'm gonna go ahead and move on to the next story. The top, yeah. the top. <laughs> this is actually kind of funny. The top, uh, the top result is an NBA video from about a year ago called "Best Three Pointers from Big Men During the 2017 NBA Season." <laughs> All right. Well, and then relates. probably and then, didn't click on that one. Uh, second one is GoPro three point world record. That was about a year ago. And five years ago, there's a video of a kid, an OSU fan, who makes a half court shot to win a hundred dollars. <laughs> so, hey, uh, are there white said. people in the thumbnails? Uh, <laughs> the kid's white. Um, and also, awesomeness TV with five years ago, how to shoot a three pointer with NBA pro Kevin Love. Okay, and, so yeah, how to be awesome. There you go. And their how to be awesome series. There you go. That, there that's you go. Probably what he watched right there. That's the video. That's it right there. Kevin Love taught him how to taught Joel Embiid how to shoot three. Uh, all right, moving on to the finals. Moving on to the final story. 
Um, so I'm sure you guys know about uh, Usain Bolt. Uh, you may or may not have heard of him. Uh, I haven't heard of him because he blew right by me before I even had a chance to look at him. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, you, sh you should uh, look him up when you get the chance. Okay. Uh, so anyway, um, you guys, you guys might know this, but Usain Bolt has attracted attention from um, other sports outside of his, uh, you know, um, track record. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, uh, he has um, received offers to, like, you know, come practice for certain soccer clubs. And one soccer club in particular actually signed him and uh, decided, you know what, we're going to put him on the field. Mm -hmm. that, that soccer club is in Australia. They're called the Cent Central Coast Mariners. And they decided to put Usain Bolt on the roster as an unlimited sub. Or, um, sorry, I already said that wrong. As Just as a sub. And uh, in the Australian League, they have unlimited subs. So he was able to come in and actually get a few touches. Now, I haven't really seen you know much footage on him. So I can't really say whether he played well. But what is this, you know, do you think he could actually have success in the A-League? So I, I got to say, I actually, I'm a big soccer fan and I actually seen this. It was on Twitter today. Um, I, his first, like, they literally showed his first touch on the field and it was god awful. Like, yeah, it was. Not good. But uh, from what I've heard, I, like, I don't watch the game. I, there's no access to Australian soccer. Not that I would want to watch it anyway, but. Hmm. um. It, like apparently he played okay, he created some chances, but uh, like, funny thing is, if like that touch was good, that would have been a goal. Yeah, and you know what? Like, obviously, I can't even bash the guy because the fact that he got signed to a team and he's doing this after his success in the Olympics, like, good for him. But, um, you know, I don't. Do I think he's gonna have a lot of success? Uh, to be honest with you, no. Like, I could see him getting, you know, released sometime down the road like i gotta be completely wrong oh. which would be awesome for me to see like i would love to see him do good but realistically um you know right and I don't I'm, I'm i'm seeing a lot of folks on twitter like i'm i'm seeing um you guys know that uh that meme of bart simpson with the cake that says at least you tried yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's what, that's what people are posting you about using really in the a league right now you really can't bash the guy, though. You really can't. I mean, he said he wanted to play soccer. He, I remember he said that right after he retired from running that he wanted to get into soccer. So I know I, I didn't know he actually got signed and played a game. I didn't know anything about yep, that. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it just, just happened recently, yeah. It was, like, just earlier today or, like, yeah. yesterday. Yeah, I had no idea. So, I, I mean, good for him. I liked, you know, I liked him a lot. I think he was a stand-up guy and whatever, and he was um, obviously incredible in the Olympics, literally the best runner that the Olympics has ever seen. Uh do I think he's, I mean, again, I haven't seen much footage either, but I mean, if he played okay, I don't see why he couldn't stay in the league, like in, in Australia or something like that. Do I think, I, do I see him in the Premier League or Liga or the MLS? Probably not. But, <laughs> I hope not. But I mean, hell, if he can, if he can, you know, make a living just, you know, playing in one of the lower level leagues and he's good enough for it, then Godspeed to him. Why not? Right. Well, yeah. well I guess uh, we'll see what happens with the, his career from now on. Mm -hmm. yes, uh, and that will conclude in case you missed it. So moving on. Yeah, yeah and we're going to go to our last thing here. We got some more predictions after our very insightful and so useful predictions last week about the NFL. We're going to go to <laughs> some different football here, some college football. Uh, 
we are recording on a Friday, Friday the 31st of August. The season kicked off yesterday with UConn and UCF. Um, <laughs> that and wasn't much of a game, man. No. Yeah, so uh, we basically what we have here is we're going to have our predictions for the championship games for the Power 5 uh, conferences. And then um, we also have the playoff predictions, the four seeds for the playoffs. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying, like, I Brendy is probably the most knowledgeable about college football. I I watch college football, but the thing about me is, like, there's so many games, and it's hard to keep up with. That's going to change this year. Like, I told myself last year I wanted to get into college football big time this year. Uh, it's just that, you know, I might not have full insight. So I just want to say that, uh, again, we're just kind of having a fun time with this. And, I mean, the big thing for us is I kind of want to see, like, you know, for all the predictions we're going to make for, you know, the sports, uh, just to see what happens. Uh, but yeah, we're going to start off this. So uh, I guess we'll run it down like this. We'll start with the SEC, uh, go to the ACC, uh, Big 12, Big 10, and then Pac-12. And then we're, like I said, we're just going to give our championship uh, matchup and then we'll move on to uh, the playoffs. So I guess we'll start with Brendy, and then we'll go to Bobby, and then I'll say mine. So, yeah, Brendy, if you want to start with the SEC championship. Okay, you want me to just start with SEC and then go to Bobby? Yeah, yeah, so we'll do it like with the NFL, NFL prediction. So, yeah, go to SEC, then go to Bobby, and then, you know, around, and then we'll go to the next one. Okay, so I believe uh, I've got my picks for the SEC championship. I've got them as Alabama and South Carolina. I'm going to start over in the West. I believe that the I believe that the uh, West is going to be a lot closer this year than it's ever been. Uh, I believe Auburn has a le- legitimate chance at uh, essentially uh, dethroning Alabama. Um, in their, you know, I, I I know they basically did it last year, um, but if they can get it consistently, I believe Auburn may be the next team um, to the next team to beat in the SEC. Um, but I don't necessarily know if I think it's going to happen this season. I believe Alabama is just too overpowered of a team right now. Um, and not necessarily overpowered. I just believe that they are the best team in the SEC currently. And as far as the East is concerned, um, this this was kind of a toss-up between about two or three teams. Um, and I ultimately decided to go with uh, South Carolina because. Um, I'm not necessarily a believer in, uh, I'm not necessarily a believer in Jake Fromm. He has obviously shown his, uh, he's shown his flashes of greatness, um, and obviously went to a national championship. Um, but I, I'm not sold on Jake Fromm. I, I, I really, really like Jake Bentley. Who's the uh, quarterback for the, um, for the Gamecocks. Um, I believe he has um, great things to show for. And if there's any team I see coming out of the East, it's going to be South Carolina. But I do believe it's going to be very, very close. Probably it's either going to be tied or like decided by like a single game or two. Okay. Uh, Bobby? Okay. So, uh, again, I am like one of those people who doesn't, doesn't follow uh, college football to the T. Uh, so my, my, you know, take take my picks with a grain of salt, but I did differ on the SEC just a little bit. Um, I, I have Alabama again because why don't you? Mm-hmm. And instead of South Carolina, I do have Georgia. 
Um, I have it for a couple of reasons. One, I am sold on Jake Fromm. Um, I am sold on that, and also I just I honestly think that Georgia's just kind of due for getting here at this point. I mean, they keep they're, they're one of those teams that just kind of you know they they ride the high horse all season, and then they end up getting to the playoffs, and then they end up just just just. Bobby, if I can interrupt just for a second, uh, I just I just realized uh, Jake Fromm hasn't actually been named a starter yet. Um, it's a tie up between him and Justin Fields, who are both five star recruits. Uh, right. But it's currently looking like Jake Fromm. That's yeah, what yeah. I, was I, say. I, I, was, I would assume it would be Jake Fromm, though. I mean, yeah. he has to be. I mean, uh, is the other guy a true freshman? Is that the other guy? Uh, yeah, he just signed to Georgia last season. Okay, um, and this, so this will be his very true freshman year, probably. Right, and then I mean, I mean, Jake Fromm's already had kind of experience, and I, I could see him doing well, especially getting a whole season under his belt. Uh, right, you know, after this, I mean, he he got put in because of uh, uh, Jacob Eason getting hurt. But um, I honestly think he could do well, and I honestly think he could help Georgia kind of get over the hump to get to the SEC championship. Now, do I think they'll beat Alabama? No, I, I don't. I don't think they're there yet. I, I don't think any team in the SEC is there yet. Um, we may see it soon. I know Auburn's been mentioned. Auburn's always been Alabama's kind of kryptonite. I mean, who can forget uh, a few years ago the uh, missed field goal return that Auburn. Uh, put up against Auburn's Alabama. Auburn's gonna win the football game. That is one. Of, <laughs> I, I, I say this all the time. That is, I cite that as one of the best uh, uh, sports calls of all time. I remember yeah. being in my room when I uh, watched that when that happened. And Twitter blew. I've yeah. never seen a blow like that. It was insane. So that's my SEC. Uh, and then I, I have actually the same as Bobby's. Not really a surprise. Uh, Alabama and Georgia have been the premier teams in the SEC for you know, years now. Um, with Alabama, it's going to be an interesting case because they lost, like, most or – it's either most or all of their secondary um, from last year. So, you know, they had Minka Fitzpatrick back there, obviously a top pick. Uh, Anthony Everett, who is actually a guy who is a town over from me and Bobby. Uh, so that's kind of cool. He got drafted by the Ravens this year. Uh you know, one of my favorite players just because not a lot of people come from our area and make it in the NFL. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, it's going to be cool for that. And then with Georgia, um, you know, they lost uh, Nick Chubb, obviously, in the backfield, Sony Michelle. But uh, I think Jake Fromm, uh, with another year under his belt, um, I think that'll, you know, that experience over the season, uh, again, assuming he starts, uh, will translate well. Um, you know, again, I think Georgia obviously has a lot of subtractions with players going in the NFL. Um, you got, you know, Roquan Smith, obviously, on defense, uh, the big loss there. But, no, I, I still think these two are the teams to beat in the SEC. And uh, this year, I don't see anything changing. All right, now we're going to move on to the ACC. Uh, Brandy, with your picks. All right, so I'm going to start off with the obvious choice. I've got, I've got Clemson on one side, and then on the other side, I have uh, Virginia Tech. Um, the reason for Clemson, it just seems like every year, like they lose like their, a lot of their star players, and then they come back the next year, and they're like just as good or even better. And I, I cannot figure out their formula like at all. And if, if, I, if, if I could, I would strongly recommend someone's you know study film and how the hell they fucking do it every single fucking year um <laughs> but and it's kind of, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because like just a few years ago before they were like you know you know consist- consistently ranked in the top five there's always this term going around called clemsoning which was like 
you know, you would perform well each year and then you would lose to a terrible team like Georgia Tech and then like flop afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would happen. That would happen. Um, but now, like after they got over this hump, now they're actually like a contender every single year. So I've got Clemson and I've got Virginia Tech. Um, the main reason I have uh, the main reason I have Virginia Tech over every other team is because I believe they have a really interesting so loud. They have a really interesting situation at quarterback going on, um, and I'm really sold on their defense and their whole spread offense scheme. Um, and they've got a, um, I think with their defense, um, it's going to eventually carry them over um, who most people probably pick in the Coastal Division, Miami. Uh, but I've got Virginia Tech coming out, out of the Coastal. All right, go ahead, Bobby. Uh, I, I have the same as Brendy. Uh, Clemson and, and Virginia Tech not sold on Miami yet. Um, that, that's really all it is. And then if I'm not sold on Miami, there's really nobody else that is really going to come up and take it from Virginia Tech. Um, I basically agree with everything that Brendy said, so I really had nothing more to add with that. Uh, I have Clemson and Virginia Tech as my ACC as well. Uh, and I have the exact same thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Clemson's obvious, like... You know, I think they're going to be one of the teams, obviously, contending for the title. Um, their defensive line is insane. They have four guys that, like, could be drafted number one – or, sorry, in the first round next year in the NFL draft. Um, they ranked number four in total defense in 2017. Uh, 2017 – 2017, holy shit. And they get eight starters back, so I think uh, they'll be fine. And the thing um, – so – I, I originally had Miami, and I changed it to Virginia Tech. And the reason why is Miami has somewhat of a quarterback situation um, with uh, Rozier. You know, is he the guy? Is he not? Uh, so, yeah, I just I think that's going to be their issue. Um, you know, my whole theory about football is the quarterback carries you. So um, just, you know, if, that, if that's going to be a problem with them quarterback-wise, uh you know, I think Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech uh, takes the uh, other spot. All right, now we will move on to the uh, big, the Big Twelve. All right, so for the Big Twelve championship, uh, I've got Oklahoma. Um, I know there's a lot of question marks with them after the uh, Baker Mayfield going uh, to the NFL. Um, but I think I think they can uh, overcome that. I believe they have a lot of great options. Uh, and I believe, um, you know, they've got a great staff and a great recruiting class. And I think, um, I think they're certainly going to be one of the, I certainly think they're going to be one of the top teams. Um, and as the other side, I've got TCU and there's one reason I have TCU and that's, I am hyped for Sean Robinson. I believe he's Mm -hmm. one of the best quarterbacks in this, uh, class overall. And I believe he's going to bring TCU great things. All right, Bobby. Okay, so uh, I have in my Big 12 the exact same thing. I'll come on TCU. Um, I, I'm going, again, I don't know the inner workings of the Big 12 too much, especially of these two teams. But uh, based on some things that I was reading, uh, first of all, TCU has a, has a big ranking in basically every single poll you look at, um, especially the AP Top 25 as well as the coaches poll. So I'm going on that momentum, and you know what? I'll hop on the uh, on the hype train that Brendy is on. 
and I'll say uh, Oklahoma TCU. The other contender, I guess, would be for uh, TCU would be, uh, what's it called, uh, Oklahoma State, but I don't think they have the power. So. And I have the same exact thing. Uh, the Big 12 is actually kind of interesting because I think it's weaker than it has been in years, like, you know, prior years, uh, at least in my opinion. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I think Oklahoma, again, they're going to be a, a interesting case just because of Baker Mayfield leaving, um, you know, the eventual number one overall pick in the NFL. But, um, you know, I just can't see anybody besides these two uh, teams taking, um, you know, the conference. So I have the same exact thing. Moving right along here, we got the Big Ten. Uh, Brendy, you can go ahead. Right, and unfortunately, um, much to the uh, dismay of uh, much to the dismay of Bobby, uh, I do not have Michigan in the championship and, game. And, and, and Tyler, and Tyler. And Tyler, but I do not have Michigan in the Big Ten championship. Asshole. Um, I've got Penn State, um, and the same reason why I have Penn State is kind of the same reason I have um, TCU. Uh, Trace McSorley is. He's a beast. He's got a history of winning, and I believe he's going to uh, translate that very well to uh, to Penn State. Uh, and I believe this is going to be the year where uh, Penn State actually makes an appearance. Uh, this is probably going to be, I would imagine, Trace McSorley's last season before he goes to the NFL. Uh, I could be wrong, but yeah, you know, I, we'll I see. Agree. I agree. Um, so, yeah, uh, I've got Penn State and then Wisconsin. Wisconsin's interesting. I believe overall they have probably the most complete team in all of college football. Um, sorry, did I say Wisconsin? You did. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't remember if I said Washington or Wisconsin. I was thinking of the oh, next okay. the next part. Um, but I think Wisconsin is the most complete team in college football. Um, and you know, coming back from a thirteen and one. Uh, season, uh, you know, last season, I, I believe that this season is going to be um, just as good, um, if not even better. I definitely see them as a possible contender for the college football playoff. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, you know, it helps their case that the, you know, big, uh, big 10 West is very weak. Exactly. <laughs> I will add that. Now, one thing I want to ask you about Penn State is what do you think the loss of uh, Saquon is going to do? You know, I know you have them winning the, uh, you know, going into the Big Ten championship game, but how do you think that's going to affect them? Uh, in terms of Saquon Barkley, you said? Yeah, because, you know, he was their guy and, you know, he obviously led them last year. Like, you know, I, I just kind of want to get your take on that. Um, it's, it's a bit hard to tell, um, uh, because I believe that they have a loaded offensive line. They do. Um, yeah. so I believe whatever running back, like probably not going to be as good as Saquon Barkley, but I definitely do think that whatever running back fills in his spot is going to have a good time because of that offensive line. Yeah. All right. Uh, Bobby, go ahead. Okay. So you can, uh, you know, this is going to be a piping hot take, but in the big 10 championship, I have Rutgers and Iowa. So yeah, no, uh, I am kidding. Uh, okay, I was my, my I was like, what the? Fuck? <laughs> I am I am absolutely kidding. No, I have I have Wisconsin as well, but I am going to say Michigan takes uh 
uh, takes the East and goes to the Big Ten Championship simply because they finally have their freaking QB situation worked out. So now that everything's got worked at Michigan, I feel like everything's going to kind of fall into place for them. And you may see them start climbing. And I don't think Penn State really has anything behind them anymore. Yeah, you're right. They're offensive line sack. But without uh, Barkley, I don't know how much damage they can actually do. Uh, so I have Michigan. Uh, and okay. I actually have different from both of you. I have uh, Wisconsin, of course. Like I said, the Big uh, Big Ten West is, you know, they're the team there. Um, and as much as this hurts me to say, I have Ohio State coming out. Oh. Um, it hurts. It does. It hurts. But <laughs> I do. Uh, that defense led by Nick Bosa, uh, the you know, one of the guys who is up for number one pick, uh, I think will lead them. Um, you know, again, being a Michigan fan, hard to say, but I do like their team. It'll be interesting their quarterback situation this year. Uh, but I do like the running backs as well. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, those are my picks. Uh, I would like to see Michigan. Like I said, I like Shea Patterson coming over. Uh, finally got that QB. Um, figured out, but uh, yeah, I have Ohio State. And the last um, one we have here is the Pac-12 championship game. And uh, Brendan, again, you can take it. All right, so I'll be completely honest. The Pac-12 is probably the uh, conference I, I personally know the least about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, it's on the other fucking side of the country. Why would I? Um, <laughs> so I've, I've got Washington. I, I don't believe that that's necessarily a... Um, I don't necessarily believe that that's, you know, a hot take. I think Washington is just as complete as Wisconsin is. Uh, Maybe not as complete, but I definitely think um, they're going to contend for at least the Pac-12 title. And then I had a long time. um, It it was hard for me to decide for for who was going to come out uh, against Washington. And I decided that this is... A little weird, but I decided I was going to go with Utah. And the reason for that is they have they have a very experienced head coach in Kyle Whittingham. Uh, and th- they definitely had, to say the least, um, a, a very underwhelming season last season. However, I have this certain and, – and it's, it's hard to like p- make this pick from a gut standpoint – but I, I somewhat have a good feeling uh, with their, um, you know, they got multiple offensive schemes. I, I have a good feeling that this is going to be the year that they may represent the uh, South uh, division in the Pac-12. All right. Uh, Bobby? Okay. So what I have over here is, again, I'm, I'm all right here. I, I mean, I already kind of proved this earlier that I don't know too much in the terms of depth for college football. But for the Pac-12, I have Washington, USC, and that's basically solely off power rankings. Washington's kind of a staple in the Pac-12, and they still are. Every every ranking has them included high up. They're a solid team. And then USC also is, is coming in at the, at the, um, in the mid-end of the power rankings, so they could be a legitimate contender. So I have them in the Pac-12. And I have the same thing. I have Washington um, and USC. So I will say with the USC pick, it was kind of up in the air for me. Um, you know, they lost their star player, Sam Darnold, to the uh, draft. Um, so their quarterback situation is going to be interesting. Uh, JT Daniels has been named the uh, starting QB, and he is a true freshman. So that'll be interesting. Uh, the case for me with them is honestly, I just I don't really know 
I, I, I'm just not sold on the other teams in their division. Uh, Utah, I was thinking, um, you know, would be the other team, but I ultimately, ultimately went with USC. And then Washington on the other side. I mean, that's that's their division to lose. Sam Darnold is the one reason I did not have USC coming out of the South. Well, like I said, again, it's going to be interesting with the quarterback. I just, I don't know. Like, I wasn't really convinced with any team in that division. Uh, Understandably. Honestly. Like, I, I think whoever comes out of it is going to get smashed by Washington in the conference uh, championship game. But, yeah. Uh, and then with Washington, um, you know, that that's a really good team, man. Like, I, I actually like their team a lot. Like, their uh, secondary is one of the most elite in college football. Um, you know, last year they held opponents to 16.1 points a game last season. And like, again, that's secondary, like I said, now uh, the interesting case with Washington is their first game of the season, I think is going to make or break their season in terms of the uh, college football playoffs. They play Auburn week one. Uh, if they lose that game, they are in trouble. If they win that game uh, and they know they do what they're supposed to do for the rest of the year. Uh, you know, I have them, you know, in the in the college football playoffs, but that first game is gonna make or break it for me. Yeah. So yeah, and then uh, yeah, real quick, we're gonna have just do the uh, our playoff. The um, excuse me, the college football playoffs. We have the four teams in there that we think are gonna make it. Um, I didn't initially give my champion, but if you guys want to, then we can. Doesn't matter. Uh, I'm me. gonna leave my champion out of it. I'm okay. just gonna do. I'm just gonna do my top four. Yeah, because I, I was going to say I didn't have it, but I wanted to see with you guys. So, uh, yeah, Brenda, you can take the floor. All right. So, number one, I think number one and number two, you could easily switch around and it wouldn't be much of a de debate. Number one, I've got Clemson. Number two, I've got Alabama. Um, for me, like, those are kind of cons consensus um, college football playoff picks unless, um, unless something goes terribly wrong for them. Uh, and then at number three um, – Number three, I've got Penn State. I'm really high on Penn State. I believe that they are the – I believe that they are high and above the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, and then number four, I've got a hot take. I've got TCU. Uh, uh, because, like I said, I am a – like I said, I am a believer in Sean Robinson. He will bring TCU great things. <laughs> All right, Bobby, go ahead. All right. So I, I agree with Benny with Alabama Clemson. Uh I'm gonna have the same there. And then on the on the third seat, I'll take Wisconsin. Right. I, I think they're a legitimate contender. I don't even think I had to really defend that one. And then on uh my number four, I'm not so on TCU going further than the Big Twelve, so I'm gonna take Oklahoma on that one. All right, and then mine uh consensus here Clemson and Alabama I have Clemson one just again that defensive front is scary um I think that's gonna get them the one seed I, I have Alabama two like I said Georgia three that's gonna be an interesting one I'm not I'm not you know I have them at three and I think they're gonna be I think they're ultimately gonna be there but you know you never know with what you're gonna say out of Jake from like I said I think he'll have a good year but we'll see and then the fourth seed I have Washington um, like I said, that defense is is elite. Uh, so You're high uh, in Georgia, I see. I am. I you know what that that might be the one I regret, but uh, yeah, I have them there. And you know, it's it's funny. Obviously, the top three I have there has been a staple in college football. You always see the Alabamas, the Clemson. So we'll see. Right. But 
Uh, yep, that is our predictions. Uh, thank you for listening to our fourth episode of the podcast. Uh, it's been really fun so far. We've really enjoyed it. So we hope you guys uh, equally enjoy it as you listen. Um, make sure to give this video a like if you like it. And subscribe if you haven't already. And we will catch you guys next time for episode five. See you.